Are we live? All right, all right, all right. Happy Monday, everybody. If you could see us, if you could hear us, clap. Like and share. Like and share, seriously. Okay. Uh, happy Monday, everybody. TGIM, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Ninette says you're so pretty. What about us, Ninette? Arno and I, we're just uh, a <laughs> bunch of nobodies sitting here. Just a bunch of numbnuts. <laughs> equally pretty, equally pretty. Everybody's pretty. Everybody's beautiful. Yeah, that's, lo- what lo- I, that's how I feel. Love and peace for love. all, man. It's in the eye of the beholder. There you go. Uh, I want to thank Nona Melconia for taking time out of her Monday to be with us. And I want to thank you for this as well. Thank you for the wine. Yes. And then this beautiful cheese board as well. I wish I, I'll post a picture of this on our Instagram story and our Facebook story. But uh, it's a beautiful cheese board made by... This is from Charcute, um, and he's actually a great friend of mine, Carreno. He is known as the Charcuterie King. Um, and so this is a personalized box just for you guys. You can't order this. Um, so this is very extra special. And as you can see, it says Wise Nuts on it. It's got the, the three of you guys yeah. <laughs> in the cheese. We're three three crackers over here. It says Nona at Wise Nuts Oh, there you go. My name podcast. is in there, too. Yeah. And yeah. he made sure to include extra meat. Yeah, you got salami, prosciutto. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. There. Thank and you for this. And the honey, too. Look at that. Yeah. A little bit of everything. And the wine is actually from uh, NorCal, where I'm originally from. This is Kareem Wine. I wanted to give them a shout-out as well. There you go. Beautiful. Thank you for the gifts. We really, Absolutely. really appreciate it. Um, speaking of NorCal, let's get into you. Because right. obviously we, are, we, are, we have a lot to talk about. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about, you said NorCal, mm-hmm. being Armenian mm-hmm. and Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Uh, that's the, that's a first for us, right? Ukrainian Armenian combo. That is the first yeah. for us. Is that right? Yeah, we've never we've never had a Ukrainian Armenian. I mean, we never had a Ukrainian, but now we have a Ukrainian Armenian. Tell us a little about that. Tell us about your family, um, mom, dad, where you were born. Were you born in Ukraine? Or were you born in Armenia? And then obviously North Cal, North Cal. Yeah, so I was indeed born in Ukraine. I was born in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, and I lived there until I was about three years old. And then Chernobyl happened like the big explosion. Chernobyl, and so within wow. days, within days, we moved to my dad's um, uh, country of Armenia in Yerevan. So my mom is Ukrainian. My dad is Armenian. Um, and then I lived in both places. And then when I was eight years old, we moved to San Francisco uh, with my mom, my dad, my brother, and my two grandparents on my maternal side. And we have a lot of family in San Francisco. We still do. I lived there most of my life. Um, and it was great. I grew up, um, you know, with with both uh, Armenian and Russian or Ukrainian roots. And to be quite honest, I never really felt like I was one or the other. You know, that was like a struggle I had in my whole life. I didn't really have that sense of, like, full identity until later, which we'll get all into. Yeah. But, um yeah. See, when you said, you just said Russian and then you went Ukrainian. I I have Ukrainian friends. I have Russian friends, and it's funny that when you tell Ukrainian Russian, they go, no, 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 I'm, I'm Ukrainian. And then when you tell a, a Russian, a Ru- Ukrainian, if you're Russian or vice versa, mm-hmm. they'll get offended. I mean, it has that kind of uh, drama between the Ukrainians and Russians been going on for a while? It really hasn't. I, I think this is more of a recent thing because most Ukrainians, if not all Ukrainians, speak Russian. And so I grew up speaking Russian. And so for me, it was it was very similar. You know, it, what you see now isn't what was before. But it's two different languages. It's two different languages. And I think people who are Russian can understand a little bit of Ukrainian and maybe vice versa. But they're two completely different languages. 
and cultures now, but before everybody was happy, you know, everybody what got did along. You, what did you guys speak at home? We spoke Russian at home because that's how my parents could understand each other. And then when you went to Armenia, mm-hmm. continued Russian at home? Continued Russian at home, um, but I was fluent in Armenian. I still understand, but when we moved to San Francisco, I replaced my Armenian with English within a month, and the language was kind of gone. And it's very unfortunate that that happened because my dad didn't have his family in San Francisco. It was just my mom's side. So everybody was speaking in Russian, and my dad didn't really have a lot of people to speak Armenian to, and we didn't meet members of the community until later. It's not like L.A. It's very spread out. But yeah, it's there. I was about to say, I was going to say, you know, why San Francisco out of all the places? Because, you know, anybody who leaves, you know, Armenia and goes to the States, a lot of them end up in L.A. Yeah. or New York where there's a large Armenian community. But San Francisco, it's, I mean, gee, I don't I don't think I even know anybody who lives in San Francisco or, or was like there. moved to San Francisco unless they're like a student or something. Yeah, I know. I know several students. I know several who moved there because of work opportunity but as far as ones that let's say came in the migration. 80s doing the my doing that large migration that lived there I, I i don't know of anybody personally yeah yeah we moved in 92 um at the end of 92 and um just didn't really know anybody who was armenian it wasn't until later that we started meeting families and we got really close to them and then um my dad really wanted me to enroll in an armenian school there and after i graduated fifth grade um, I went to Armenian middle school, which was an interesting experience. Um, you know, some of my best friends actually went to that school. It was a very tight-knit community over there. Um, but we spoke Eastern. The, our dialect at home was Eastern. And then in the school, we learned Western. And so when I started learning to speak Armenian, I was all excited to come home and speak Armenian to my dad. I was like, I was like, Yegunhoz, I'm speaking Armenian. And he's like, what are you saying? That's the that's Armenian. <laughs> And so now I mix my dialects, but that's fine, right? Of course. Do that. Yeah, I mean, we, do that. we mix our dialects because if we speak to a Parskahai, we use more Persian words, mm-hmm. Farsi words. Yeah. If we speak to a Yervansi or a Russian Armenian, we'll use more Russian words, even though neither one of us understand Farsi or Russian, but we kind of grew up using some of the words throughout yeah. th- through, through our conversation. So, And with Berutis, we'll use a lot of. It's like automatically, just like when I speak English to an Asian or Hispanic or all of a sudden, I I, I can't speak English anymore. It's kind of like, I start speaking. Hey, Jose, Pedro, you, you, you got to <laughs> do this like you this. You go this way, take a right, yeah. and it's no good for you. <laughs> That's, it's like, so with me, you'll speak Russian. Well, you, yeah. Well, da. Da, 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 da. There you go. Uh, that's very good. The Armenian language is probably one of the most, and I've said it before in the past, it's probably one of the most butchered languages mm. of all time. Because Why would you call it butchered? Because we use Russian words, we use Turkish words, mm. we use Persian words, we use Arabic words. I mean, just the fact that, you know, you and I were texting each other, and I was like, no, not John. John is not Armenian. And Stepan Partamian was one of the people that said it. He goes, why do you guys use John? Why don't you use Hokis? So you're going to say, no, not Hokis. How are you? But at the same time, for me, it sounds foreign. To say Hokis, right? To say Hokis. It sounds foreign to me. That's why I say, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's a butchered language. And I think it's because of, you know, the events that took place, you know, in 1915 that 
Armenia was just basically spread out everywhere. Like our people just were in France, they were in Germany, they were in, uh, we mentioned last week as well, Argentina, everywhere. And we picked up words here, words there, and just it just became kind of, you know, this multilingual Armenian. I mean, I think I think it's more of a, what's it called? Like the harder words, mm-hmm. they'll take it from a different language. Do you think we speak proper English? Absolutely not. Right. It depends. You can go anywhere else in the country. They're going to Dif- speak completely differently than we speak yeah. here in California, even here in L.A. No, I mean, I mean, because when you say our language is butchered, right? For example, when you watch the Armenian news, I don't understand 80% of what they're, they the words they use. The I understand. Yeah, I understand the, the topic and the gist of what they're saying, but if, yeah. if you ask me to translate word by word, I don't understand. And just the same thing with if you... I thought it was just me. Okay, good. <laughs> but but it, and, and I'm, the, I'm not the only one who doesn't speak Armenian. And we both speak fluent Armenian, though. Yeah. But that's a different type of... That's a... Karakan. Very, yeah, formal Armenian, Karakan Armenian. Same thing with English. I mean, if you really sit down with somebody who, for example, studied, has a PhD in English or some uh, literate that just really uses fancy words like a writer someone yeah yeah it's going to be tough to understand every word they use because that's not the vocabulary we we use wait, on a daily l- basis l- but wait i mean using the vocabulary as in gadakan and then as as far as like formal yeah uh like the armenian news and stuff like that i i think they use actual armenian wording it's not anything like too fancy they use the actual word for what it's supposed to be. Right. Whereas what you're talking about as far as a writer is concerned, the writer may use instead of, I don't know, give me like a simple word, he'll he'll use another adverb for it or another uh, ad like he'll 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 use a different uh he'll use a different word instead of that. I mean I don't know how to explain it. Like for example, instead of saying proper, what's another word way of saying proper? I don't know. Like a form like a proper. really, really Pro- proper with a Q. <laughs> Well, you could say that. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, like, he'll, he'll use a different word instead of that. Like, something that's much more difficult to pronounce, to say. And, you know, you might turn around and go, what did you mean by that? And they'll say, oh, it means this. Well, maybe yeah. they want to come off a little bit more educated yeah. and more official. I feel like the Russian news is the same way. When you turn, I turn it on, I don't understand what they're saying. And I feel like here, we're a little bit more casual. And so I think it's it's important to kind of be able to really speak to your viewer so they understand what it is that you're saying. We relate to yeah. our audience a little bit better versus over there. They're very like official and a little bit more stiff when they're delivering the news. Yeah. Like Jordan Peterson, I just remembered. I watch a ton of his videos on YouTube. There's a good percentage of words that he uses I don't know the definition of. I understand, Obviously, I know what he's speaking of. But the word itself, I've never used in my life. And the, nor do I care to use see, it. That, that's what I mean. Like, the dialect that Jordan Peterson uses, he'll use certain terminology where you'll be like, well, what does that mean again? I mean, there's obviously an easier word for it, but, you know, he's an educated guy. Com- I think they just try to complicate it, and there's yeah. no need to do yeah. that. It's it's stupid to do that. Harry says proper is uh, decorous. Is that how you pronounce it? Or yeah, thesaurus? Like, so, for example, if I were to hear that How would word, you even pronounce that? Thesaurus no or decorous? Or how, how would you? D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. Thesaurus. Or decorous? Yeah, seriously. Thesaurus or decorous? But see, if somebody were to say, I speak decorous or thesaurus, I'd be like, I speak decorous English. I speak decorous English. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, proper. Oh, proper. I think the most important thing is for people to understand you. If people aren't understanding what you're saying, 
What are you even saying? What's the yeah. point of saying well, what you're then, saying? Then you, you don't, then you don't come off as ed- educated and, you know, better than the, the person. Some would say they don't even understand when we speak, so. Yeah. We got to, even when texting. Well, we got to dumb it down. Let's dumb it down for them. <laughs> yeah. <then>. We, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where were we? San Francisco. Now, uh, we had a viewer who actually lived and still does live in San Francisco. Alex says, why didn't you go to KZV Armenian school? I did. I just, I totally did. So that's like a rite of passage. If you're an Armenian kid in San Francisco, you got to go to KZV. And if you don't go to KZV, you go to events at KZV, you know, because that's the one school that we have versus here, you know, there's all kinds of different schools and they all have like what makes them unique and different. But over there, we just have KZV and it's a very special place. Um, that even now when I go back to, I'll visit, you know, the principal. And so some of the teachers are still there. It's really a special tight-knit place. Um, but from what I remember, it wasn't always easy, you know, as somebody who was kind of an outsider yeah. coming in, and I didn't speak Armenian that well. And so my dialect was different. And was so there, is there an Armenian church in San Francisco? There's several. Is there? There's several Armenian churches. Interesting. Shout out to St. Gregory's and St. John's. So, so, yeah. I think the one thing that we have everywhere across the globe is churches. churches. Yeah. There's 11 million of us. I think we have 14.7 churches. Yeah. 14.7 million, million churches. churches. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be more than that. 14.7. For, for every person and we that have. And that 0.7 is in construction. That's why. So 70% of it is done. We're almost there, guys. We're almost there. Yeah, no, San Francisco is, is a beautiful and a very special city. And so. We used to be. I think. Oh, that's what a lot of people say. It's I, gone to. It's well, changed. When, it's when was the last changing. time you were in San Francisco? I go there every month. I'm there every month. Every month? Really? Um, uh, well, every other month. Okay, or so, so you hold on. You should you should tell us what's going on in San Francisco. Oh, man. What's going on in downtown San Francisco? <sighs> it, it's it's a mess. You know, it's a mess. Um, <laughs> I I worked in City Hall for many years, so I I kind of got used to the. Are people still vaccinating each other like every now <laughs> and then? Well, everyone <laughs> oh, for the most part. <laughs> Most of the city is vaxxed. No, 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 no. no. Each the other. Pe- the, the people oh, on the that. streets, are they vaccinating yeah. each other? Like underneath the other I mean, pass? they're not doing the... it any more than they're doing it here. Well, yeah, you know, no, no, no. Essentially, you go to we're. Skid Row, you're going to see the same kind of thing. It's just certain areas of San Francisco that are that way. But they offer so many great services for people. And so folks from some... all over the country will go there for who need help. Mm. And what ends up happening is you have that problem is because everybody is gathering to go there because they have all these services so here you go that's see that's, that's the problem i feel like everywhere you go as far as major metropolitan areas mm-hmm. all these you know, homeless and people with mental disorders are ending up in these areas and when you actually do reach out for help none of these people want it and there was a video out like a couple i think it was like a month and a half or two months ago mm-hmm. where it was a bus driver dropping off kids in san francisco and he was doing a selfie video and he was telling the kids all right, kids, you know, get home safe, be careful. And, you know, you're watching this video, you're going, why is, he, why is he doing a selfie video with the kids? And then he goes, you know why I'm doing this? And then he flips the camera over, and it's just like homeless people just cracked out all across the street. It's unfortunate. It got to the point where I just got used to seeing it, and I just walked right by it, you know, every single day, and then I, I didn't even flinch. You know? See, but I feel like, you know, there's kids there, man. Yeah. Those kids, you know, going home and going to school every single day shouldn't be witnessing that. It's not just kids. The business owners Forget are fed the, up with well, it. Well, yeah, especially in the, val- in the valley here. In the Stur- valley here. Sherman the, Oak, Studio yeah, City. The yeah. bars and restaurant owners are just fed up because you've got homelesses 
you know, throwing their feces on, on cars and just, I mean, I've had that issue here too. It's not, yeah, it's not I just, remember you mentioned <laughs> it. well, now the, now I have this new guy that became homeless about eight months ago and I've seen literally his cognitive decline. I've, exp- I've, I've, I've witnessed Bad. it. He used to be cool and he still is cool, but now he does things that he probably doesn't understand, like using the lobby as a toilet or doing things that, you know, last week the, the cops were talking to him here because he's, he's, now, even try, he's now even trying to break into the building, yeah. whereas before he wouldn't because he understood that was wrong. So something's definitely changing with this guy mentally. But that's, yeah, that's part of a bigger problem. That's not so much as because of homelessness. It's because of, you know, whatever else he's dealing with. Yeah. And so it's difficult to solve that problem. That's something, you know, homelessness is an issue that people have been talking about for decades in San Francisco. It's even longer than that. That's what I was about to ask you. As far as when you moved to San Francisco back then and what it is now, how much has it changed? It's changed a lot. You know, it's, it's a little bit more extreme than it used to be, you know. Uh, with tech coming in, so there's people from all over the world that are coming in to do tech, and they're doing really well. And then there's those there's those who aren't doing so well who are doing worse. So the discrepancies, it's it's tough. It's difficult to live in San Francisco because it's so expensive. Um, and I can't say that's one of the re- that's the reason why I moved away. I moved away for different reasons. I've wanted to live in LA my whole life. Um, San Francisco will always be home. I love visiting and seeing my my family, but you know I I feel like LA is where I need to be, and, and more so for the creative energy um, that this city offers, for the hope that this city offers, the opportunities that it has. Not to say that San Francisco doesn't. Um, it's just a, a kind of a different energy for me, and the weather. Oh, weather isn't great. Yeah, it's cold. It's colder, and it's, it's a little colder. Yeah, but it, it's got a lot of heart. It's a special city. Um, it'll always be home, and um, I, I think the people that are from San Francisco are a special kind of people. And, and in terms of, like, they're gritty, they, they're they smart, they don't take any any stuff. Really? Yeah, people in L.A., everybody's friendly, but you don't know if they're genuine or not. Over there, they're not going to talk to you if they don't want to, if they don't like you. They're more like New York. It's a different hmm. kind of attitude. It's a, you know. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I've been there a couple I times. I thought people I in San Francisco know. might have been softer, actually. Softer? Yeah. Why would you think because that? Because of the tech... What do you mean by the because tech? Of like yeah, because of like the, you know, the, the type of people that basically live and work there. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like homebody computers. You think like, all right, as far as like, you know, because cause New York's hustle and bustle. Everybody's just yeah, you know, out San Francisco's on the hustle and bustle as well. Yeah, but I feel but like they go home after they go to work. I mean, after well, work they go home. Well, I'll, I I, go, I would <laughs> hope they go. <laughs> I would hope they go. Yeah. Home. I mean, they don't go and party like they do in New York City. Like they don't stay well, out. Yeah, New York is a city are... that never sleeps. Exactly. Th- that's why, because I have you know I have friends and clients who are from you know the East Coast, especially in New York, and they go, especially re- the one that recently just came back. He goes, bro, I, I don't know how you guys do it here. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like we went to grab coffee, and he goes, you know, there was somebody in front of us going, well. Mm, what would you recommend? He goes, boy, you can't do that shit in New York. I'm like, well, what do you, what do, you do in New York? Yeah, he goes, know exactly what you want. He goes, don't you get time. to the front of the line. If you don't know what you want to order, yeah. the barista or whoever it is will be like, you don't know what you want? Go back to the back of the line and figure out what you want before yeah. you come back. Like, it's like that. Well, I, I forget which comedian it was. He's like, dude, the menu's, menu's been the same at McDonald's, Starbucks. It's never changed. 
if you still don't know what the hell you want, then maybe why are you standing there looking at the damn thing as if it changes every day? The same goddamn thing. <laughs> you order it medium, small, large, whatever. Some of these places have huge menus and they have all these different options. Like I need a like, minute like to what? really check it out. And Starbucks see. does? Uh, well, Starbucks has changing you know, drinks yes, according but, to the season. But you have five minutes of when you're waiting in line playing with yourself to, to look at the menu. And there's special items, seasonal, you know, there whatever. Are, there are overthinkers out there like <laughs> me who it, probably no. need a little bit more time to decide <laughs> these things. The, they uh, need to weigh out all of the options. Pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. With three pumps of syrup and oh. one pump of, and two pumps of. Just they know what they like. <clears throat> no, they know no. what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. Iced cold brew. And if as a man you're ordering with their it, wannabe Italian names, what is it, venti, venti, grande, and what's the other one? No, it's it's a tall, tall. it's a grande, it's a venti. That's what doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Why is yeah. the why is the smallest one tall? Well, it's like that joke that uh, from what I forgot which movie it was, but he was like, uh, he goes, "Can I get a large black coffee?" He goes, a "What?" And he goes, "A large black coffee." He goes, "Oh, you mean a venti?" He goes, "No, I meant a large." Yeah. He goes, that's Paul Rude. Yeah, he goes, uh, a venti. Yeah, that's right. With the yeah, he goes, "Venti is large." He goes, "No, venti is 20. 20 in Italian. And then he goes, it, he goes, "Tall is large." He goes, uh, "In fact, he goes, uh, what does he say?" He goes, "Like everything." You know, grande you is ma- also grande large. is also large. Yeah. He goes, "Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages." <laughs> <laughs> See, Sometimes things don't make sense, and we don't question it. Well, you know, I came. Starbucks came out of Seattle, and you know. You know what's going I've, up. I've been it's to we, the we, yeah. yeah, we know what's going on in so, Seattle. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, to yeah. me, to me, it's burnt coffee. Starbucks. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Starbucks. You're a coffee connoisseur, so you know coffee. What connoisseur. No, what makes the good. No, yeah, no, 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 no. You smell the burnt coffee when you walk into a Starbucks. Like uh, for me personally, I'd rather drink Seven Eleven coffee rather than Starbucks wow. coffee. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I just I don't. Coffee bean and tea leaf is better than Starbucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm the only thing I ever drink at Starbucks occasionally is the uh double or triple shot espresso over ice with some vanilla sweet foam. Yeah, In no, a me large I cup. need like I need 3 <laughs> to 4 cups a day. I'm I'm eventually. running around after my kids, so I have 3. I have 3 you little have three ones. 3 kids. I do. Yeah. Wow, yeah, so I drink a lot of coffee. My oldest is 9 and then I have a 7-year-old and then a 2-year-old. So oh. a wide range of Nine, little ones seven, there. Boys, girls. The oldest is a boy and then two girls. And so the older ones are more of the helpers with the little one. Yeah. So it's fun. Never a dull moment. But yes, it requires a lot of coffee. Yeah. I bet. I bet. We each have two and yeah. well, sometimes it requires no, I scotch it. instead of there you go. coffee. But yeah, that's after certain hours. After certain hours. But no, morning coffee is a must with those. I mean, I gotta, I gotta wake up to the smell of coffee in the house, or else. Oh, yeah. so cute! It's so silly, and yeah. it can't be the Starbucks coffee either. No, 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 no. That, no. That's that's uh, honestly the only reason I ever drink coffee is because I, I just love that thirty seconds of while it's being made that smell. That's it. Otherwise, really? yeah, it wakes you up. I, I no, I just enjoy the smell of coffee being brewed. Like you know, I've, I have an espresso at my yeah. office and at home, and. It's just that 30, 45 second process. After that, it'll, I'll babysit it on my desk and I'll just sip on it a little bit. And, and then you'll done. dump the rest of it. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care to finish it. It doesn't give me energy. It doesn't do anything for me. The caffeine, no? No, no. Your body no. probably got used to it after a while. You, you get no, I, I, I've just, my energy is just always the same. Always just cool. And, always you know, cool and collected. Cool and versus <laughs> mine is like, I probably shouldn't drink coffee. 
Because I'm always like, yeah, it's like, it's like, put the double shot down. Warding down. Literally. No, I want another one. I'm fine. Kids born in San Francisco? The older two were born in San Francisco, and then uh, when we moved to L.A., we moved four years ago now, um, and so the little one was pandemic baby, a pandemic baby. But pandemic. the older two, uh, we decided to move um, when my son turned five because I'm like, oh, well, he's got to start school. Might as well you know, make the transition now, if ever. I've, I've wanted to live in L.A. my whole life. So when we moved to San Francisco, I was eight years old, and we took a trip when I was nine, and we went to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I'm like, this is magical, this place, you know, it, the stars and all of really? that. At the, at the time, I wanted to be an actor. I'm like, I want to be an actor. And so when I came back home, I started taking acting class lessons. My mom would, you know, go with me to all the classes and everything. And it wasn't until I had a project where I had to play myself and talk about my culture and talk directly to the camera. And I'm like, oh, I really like being myself more. Like, this is kind of a little bit more fun. And that's when I realized I liked hosting and reporting because I – get to be myself and I get to tell stories mm. and um, and so when I went to school I went to school for broadcast journalism but I knew that I wanted to go the entertainment route the lifestyle route um, the red carpet route <coughs> pretty much so that's kind of how we ended up in LA even though it should have you know it's something that if you wanted to pursue you probably do it when you're a little bit younger um, but for me it happened after I had my two kids so the, we thought if we're going to move to LA it has to happen after you know when he turns five, so he can go to school and make it a smooth transition and make it okay. And so that's what happened. And then COVID hit, and well, there goes that industry, right, for a little while. Uh, it was an interesting time. Yeah, everything went to shit. So you were actually one of the reporters on the red carpet. Um, I still do. You so still I, do. I cover the red carpet a lot. So I work for a few um, digital entertainment outlets, uh, a few different ones. So they'll send me to red carpets, and I go to events. Um, and then, you know, when I moved here, that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to work at ET and I wanted to work at E news. And so that was like end game for me. Um, and then after doing a few, I was like, that's it. That's all there is. Like you, you interview these amazing people for a couple of minutes and it's really exhilarating. But then once it's done, you're like, I want more than this. I'm like, I think I want more than just, you know, to do these red carpets. And at the time I didn't know what that was. I wanted something with yeah. substance. And then when COVID happened um, and the war in Armenia happened, the combination of the two, I'm like, I'm going to take my equipment that I normally take with me to red carpets. I'm just going to go out there and talk to the protesters and see what it is that they want and in, in just in a way to explain to the rest of the world why the Armenian people were crying out for help. Um, and at the time, you know, uh, I was going through my own personal um, tornado so the timing of the war couldn't have been better for me, essentially. Because yeah, that's when you cut, your name kind of started popping up more and more and more and more. It was like Nona Melkonian, Nona Melkonian. You were sharing content. You were sharing information. Uh, you were collabing with certain people where, you know, it was kind of like an overnight thing where it was like, all right, you know what? No, her, her information that she's actually sharing with us is reliable information. Yeah. So, you know, that that's where we kind of... That's where that well, that's where I kind of you know uh, found you and and saw who you were and what you were doing. But uh, obviously, getting into the rest of the stuff of being Ukrainian and Armenian, we found that out later. But I would I would have never thought you were Ukrainian Armenian to be honest with you. What did you think I was? Just Armenian, yeah. no, Melkonian. Yeah. Yeah, 
And so that's kind of, you know, when you have an Armenian father and you have the last name, it's like you're instantly accepted because you have that last name. I feel like if it were the other way around, I don't know if I would get that same warm welcome. Uh, you would have had a different life. You think so? 100%. It would have been it would have been very different. It would have been it would have been a lot different. You know, when I moved here, um, I was a little bit hesitant. They're like, oh, are you going to live in Glendale? I'm like, I don't know if they're going to take to me because I don't speak Armenian that well. And, you know, we took many trips to L.A. with my parents. I remember one time, you know, we went to the Armenian store, and I, I, like, I placed an order on something. I was like, oh, you know, the Lama June or something. And she's like, hi, Hosa. Like, tell me in Armenian what it is that you're asking for. And I, and I responded back in English. She just had this look like, oh, and then that gave me an insecurity, like, oh, no, they're not going to take to me because I don't speak Armenian. And so when I moved here, I was hesitant, but I wanted to be involved. Like, I wanted to be involved in my community. Um, and it wasn't soon after that I actually met Maher Bagdasarian, who worked at Pan-Armenia TV at the time. And he's like, who are you? Like, you're, you're a journalist from San Francisco. Like, let's, let's collab and let's work together. I have this show that's in Armenian. Like, you can be my American co-host. I'm like... But I don't speak Armenian. He's like, it's okay. We'll figure it out, and we'll do it. And so we tried that for a little while. Um, and that was kind of the extent of my involvement in the community up until the war. Mm. And then when all of that happened, um, the protests were happening in Studio in Studio City. I don't know if you remember, by CBS. Yeah. Yeah. And I could hear it from where I I could hear the CBS, tell the truth. Like, I was hearing that. Was it CBS or CNN? CBS. It, it was CBS. CBS. It was local. Um, so I, that's when I grabbed my equipment that I would take with me to red carpets, and I went out there and talked to the protesters. And then next day, I put together a piece, you know, with with an editor friend of mine because I'm not very good at editing. But then we we released it the next day, and it kind of like almost went viral. And that's when everybody started messaging me like, "Oh, can you know, can you come out to this event? Can we do this?" And and then because my industry was kind of at a standstill. There were no red carpets. There were no events to oh, cover. Oh, yeah, everything was shut down. Everything was shut down. So I'm like, okay, well, I can take this platform, you know, my background in journalism and reporting, and I can start doing Instagram Lives and raising some money and yeah. helping my people. And so that's what I started doing, and it was feeding my soul because at the time I was going through a pretty rough patch in my life. Right after I had my baby, I had a divorce within a month. Oh. Within a month? Within a month. And so that was... In, that was in, at the end of August and September. So that 2020. month in 2020. Holy and so shit. the war happened at the end of September. And so I kind of wanted, I was looking for purpose and to kind of stick my heart into something that would make it just heal in my own way. And so that was Armenia for me. Damn. That's tough. I mean, going through a pandemic, being locked down, not being able to work, pregnant, had the baby, and then that on top of it. Yeah. Husband, ex-husband, Armenian? He, yeah, he's Armenian, and we're doing a great job co-parenting now. You know, we're doing better than we were the 10 years, I'd say, than we were, <laughs> that, that we were married, you know, and sometimes it takes it takes that. It's fun. Sometimes, <coughs> like today I had a meeting with a, uh, a patient's family, and I was this, the, the wife is, a patient and the husband is the family. They've been married for 53 years. But of the 53 years, they've lived apart for 43 years of it. As in not in the same house? Yes. Two separate homes. Mm-hmm. Always been married. Yeah. Well, that works. That but, works for them. But they only lived in the same house for 10 years of it. Did they have kids? No. 
And was this the recent <coughs> 10 years or the, the, the first, first 10, 10 years, years of their life? The first 10 years of their life, yeah. Interesting. For the last 43 years, they've lived separately. separately. Did they mention anything about arguments, fights in the house while they were married? Well, I I only met with the husband. I did. I typically don't get into discussions about, okay. yeah. Because I'm curious as far as like, like no no because I'm curious everybody has fights and arguments yeah, no I don't think course. you need to be in the same house to have a fight and an argument I think yeah. you know it's just disagreements you could have a fight and argument over a text message right, right? incorrectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally texting, texting is yeah have you seen that bit with uh, Keaton Peel where they talk where they do the texting back and forth no I didn't see that one okay, so there's a bit that they have where he texts his friend and he says um, are we on for tonight. I haven't heard back from you. Let me know. Right, you can, and you his can friend, yeah, ways. so his friend reads it. He goes, <laughs> uh, are we on for tonight? Um, let me know. And he, re- he responds saying, uh, like I said, um, I'm down. Whatever you want, I don't care. So the way he, he was saying it was like, yeah, you know, whatever you want, I don't care. Yeah. But then when his friend reads it, he goes, like I said, you know, I there you go, but I don't care. He goes, you mean I don't care? Yeah. Like, it, and it's just a back and forth sort of thing. So arguments can happen over the stupidest right. little things. Yeah. Where you don't need to be in the same. I'll room. make sure to ask this time, next time. But Arno's saying so they must have had an open relationship. Not necessarily. Again, I didn't ask. Or they were maybe like one uh, of those kinky people where it's like, "Hey, uh, you want to come over tonight?" <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> no, he said every night after work he would go there, and he was there from four to nine p.m. And then he would go back to his own home. But again, it's not my place to ask. Well. During between the hours of four, to, he's, he's not a guest on my podcast for me ask, to ask these questions and no, say, curious. "What did Maybe. you guys do between the hours of four and nine? Did you have any other ladies over when you, you would?" I mean, that's not. No, I'm just. Cu- yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. Maybe the conversation struck him. But whatever works, yeah. you know, for them, that it works for them. Yeah, I think COVID really tested a lot of relationships. You oh know, yeah, it, oh, absolutely. Because you were stuck in the same close quarters with somebody and so it either made you stronger or it did quite the opposite yeah so. now COVID, covid i think damaged a lot of relationships but at the same time it helped strengthen a lot of relationships it's like doing a remodel you, you want to really like yeah. know your significant other do a remodel <laughs> with them like remodel the house or something or, or, or do like a simple like painting task paint paint like a couple of rooms in the house together what happens or shut the internet off and <laughs> You'll see who they really shut, are. Shut the internet off. Or just communicate with each other. You know, it's like most people are on their phones or doing their own thing. It's like they don't really just talk anymore. And I think so many problems would get solved if you just. Yeah, this this shit has done a lot of damage. This shit's done all the damage. Not a lot. All the damage to everybody. Yeah. I mean, see, the the the, the issue is, we complain. We all complain about this damn thing. Yet we're all on it. We all need it. Because all of our work, business, everything is now stuck on this damn thing. Yeah. And when there's a meme, it says when phones were not cordless, they had a cord. Mm-hmm. We were not tied, tied down. Now that the phones are cordless, yeah. we're tied take down to the phone. Yeah, we, we take, take it, it with, with us, us every everywhere. day, everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, everywhere. if I leave the house and I don't have my wallet with me, I, would, I, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, all right. I left my wallet at home. It's also created so much opportunities. You know, if you don't have a digital presence, if you don't have a social media presence online, you know, it's, do you even have a presence? You know, everything is on these phones. It all, I mean, it it all depends on what you do for a living. 
it yeah. ha- it has, but at the same time, at the same token, it's created opportunity for people when they're bought up, they have nothing to do. They start looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, and then all of a sudden, they become curious. When you say they shouldn't be looking at, like what? Stupid memes. For like the memes we post every <laughs> But that's their entertainment. They're no, entertained no, no, by no. that. Why not? It's not entertainment. Trust me. If you, if if there was a way to look at, let's say, take a million phones, look at the things that even married couples look at, you would realize that, and this is it's statistically proven. It's not my opinion that there. They're looking at things that should they shouldn't be looking at, and then that curiosity all of a sudden, they take it to the next step and the next step, and then now that relationship falls apart. Mm-hmm. Same thing with kids. Kids are influenced by all this nonsense that's on there, all these stupid challenges. Drink Clorox and go jump off a bridge, or uh, you know, take an ice bath and then do eighty-five flips and and post it on YouTube or Instagram. So you, we can. You know what's the best one they've started doing? The stupid tortilla challenge. Have you seen that? That spicy one? No, no, no. They put a. They basically put their. They fill water in their mouth, and then they'll grab a tortilla and they'll start smacking each other to see who'll spit oh, the water. Yeah. It's always yeah. something, yeah. though. It's always going to be something. That's why we, as parents, need to do a better job monitoring our yeah. kids, and and so you know we have to instill in them what we want them to believe and think, and we instill our values in them, and then we hope that they're going to be okay when they go out in the world yeah. and when they look at what they look at. So then their <coughs> curiosity, like I encourage curiosity. I think it's great to be curious, um, and I can't control what it is they're curious about, but I can help guide them. Yeah, that's what you're there for, and you're here to, you're, you're here to help guide them in the right directions. Right. And, you know, we've said it in the past as well, you know, at this point it's raising good human beings. That's what it's Absolutely. about. That's what it's all about. Like, my daughter was on YouTube, you know, anytime she would have, you know, a meal. Like, whether she was having breakfast, lunch, or dinner, she would like to have some sort of entertainment, just like, you know, some of us enjoy watching TV when eating. And, you know, sometimes some of these commercials that would come on or some Mm -hmm. of the content that's on YouTube, you're like, dude, what the hell is this? Like, it's it's kids' shows. I get it. It's for seven and below or five and under, but it's like cutting hair and you know, doing stupid things on walls, and you're like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? So The entertainment now is different than it was 10, time. 20 years ago. Like, it's very different, and the kids are really different, too. I'd say they're a lot more mature. I see what these 13-year-olds are doing, and I'm like, when I was 13 years old, yeah, this Mature in what near. sense, though? Like, because I, 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 I'm not around 13-year-olds. Yeah. I don't have any nieces or nephews at that age, so I don't know what a 13-year-old does these days. My kids are... Well, most of them are just on TikTok. They're sitting on TikTok and they're doing these dances and stuff and they're just coordinated in a different way than kids were. I tell my niece, who's 13, Alina, I tell her like all the time, and I'll uh, I'll constantly kind of, you know, like hammer it in her head where it's like, do you see what's going on on TikTok? Don't do that shit. That that stuff is so stupid, so childish. And... I constantly just kind of hammer it, hammer it, hammer it, because the last thing I would want her to do is get on TikTok. Because again, no offense if you're on TikTok, I'm, I'm barely on it. The I mean, content, I account, on, the content on TikTok is just stupidity, man. Well, China doesn't even yeah. allow that content in their own country. Of Why would they? But they allow, but we allow it in the U.S. Yeah. It's like simple. It's like supposed to be easy, simple watching. And the more we watch 
shows of that con- like things of that well, content. What, what's happening? It's we don't have patience to have like it's, to watch it's a long lowering. Movie. It's like, lowering our. I agree. Our our attention, attention span. Yeah. It yeah. is. So what's happening now is nobody wants to sit down and watch anything for even right. two minutes. It has to be thirty seconds or under. I'm surprised people watch it for three hours, because it's not. It's definitely longer than thirty seconds. <laughs> well, it depends on qual- you know quality over quantity, right? So it's, if it's good quality, then yeah. they will actually give it a chance. You know it's what it is? We have a lower tolerance for well, BS. Well, now. not only that, it's it's more of conversation striking. Like we sit down and we have a conversation, and we open it up to people to sit down and listen to the conversation. Yeah. Now there might be topics where it'll be. You know, more intriguing for them. There might be other topics that might be boring for some right. others. They may tune out. They may come back, or they may tune out and not come back. But it, it all just depends on who they are. But uh, you know, with majority of our uh, audience, I think we've kind of grown into each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've built a—I don't want to say relationship, but kind of like this little community where we know them, they know us, and you know, when some of them are missing on our live feed, we go. Like no, Levik's not here. Yeah, tonight. Levik's not here. We're like, where the John's hell? Where's, not here where's Levik? Where's John? Yeah. You know, where are these guys? You know, I hope everything is okay. We're gonna go <laughs> knock on their door after the show. Yeah, absolutely. We just hope John's not vaccinating himself. <laughs> Rafi was asking, "What do you do do currently?" Um, since the war coverage, I guess it's somewhat limited. We're not. There's not any more protests and right, right, right. none of that going on. What exactly are you doing for a living now? Right. So I'm doing a little bit of everything. So during the war, after I was doing the fundraising and doing a lot of Instagram lives, um, I switched my attention over to Armenian-owned businesses specifically. And I'm like, you know, Armenian-owned businesses right now are working tirelessly to, one, provide a living for their you know families and everything. But a lot of them are also donating a portion or maybe all of their proceeds during the war back to Armenia. So I wanted to amplify and really showcase the Armenian community um, in terms of the Armenian businesses and highlight them. So I would do a weekly show on Instagram where I talked to three to four Armenian business owners and talked about what it is that they do, who they are. I did that for about a year. I met so many incredible, inspiring people, and some of them became some of my closest friends. And so out of that came so many great opportunities to collaborate. And so uh, just recently... Um, I met an owner uh, of an app. Um, it's called Vesby, and it's the first super app in the United States. And one super of the app. super app. super app. It's a concept that's big in Asia. It's called WeChat yeah, in Asia. Yeah. So here in the States, they wanted to bring that concept an all-encompassing app where you could do you know everything that you would normally do on your phone. You've got your Yelp and and all of these other great features that you would you would need. In one place. So the goal is essentially that you would use it and not have to go any, anywhere else. Interesting. Um, and so uh, one of the team members was Armenian. And when they told me about it, they're like, and, and for small business owners, this is actually a great tool. Because what the super app is able to do is they host micro apps. So all of these businesses who see their customers every day can have their own app within this thing. And um, they could take advantage of programs they could do push notifications to their clients so if it's in the same re- region um, they would be able to take advantage of all of these great benefits so I thought I'm gonna take this and tell it to all of these businesses that I worked with over these over this last year 
I, I'm like, this is a great chance. This is a great opportunity for me to give back to them and offer them something that they can take advantage of that's going to be free for them. And so it's live. Vesby is available. It's now. live, yeah. And okay. so it's still new. It's still in the newer stages, yeah. and it's constantly changing. And right now is an exciting time to get on board with it. So is it like an app within an app? Is that what it is? It's uh, So it's complicated. So if you're a business, you would be able to have an app within it. Um, but if you're a customer, you can access this all-encompassing app, which is called Vesby, and then go to individual apps of these businesses to check them out. You could see their menu. You could see, you know, you can order something from the business. You could um, get get on their rewards program and that kind of thing. Okay. Elon Musk was talking about starting one himself, actually. Yeah. It's like a super app, basically. Yeah, it's a super app, yeah. yeah so what I'm kind of up. kind of comparing it to is like Kayak.com. Have you guys heard of Kayak.com? Mm-hmm. Where you basically go, it's like you want to travel or something. Yeah. You type in where you, you want to go, and it just boom, 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 boom. Com- it brings up a bunch of travel right. companies. Right. What I'm thinking about. As no, as this as is everything. Like, you want to order Uber, it's got its own it's built-in. That, yeah. Like Uber, I don't know if it's linked with Uber or who, who but... It's not going to be linked to these different um, companies. I, I think that they will eventually try and have their own version of those. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty cool. Oh, so it's, so it's, a, it's, it's a one-stop own. shop for everything, exactly. in a sense. It's a one-stop shop. That's Vez, how I understood it. Vesby yeah. with, a, with a Z. And they say that it's these two-syllable words that are easier to remember um, so they stick better. So like Vesby, Facebook, YouTube, not so much Who Instagram. Are Google. they are they from Silicon Valley or where they where the founders from? Um, I believe they're here from from LA. From LA. Yeah, so they're local, local here from Los Angeles, and I'm like I'm just so excited uh, to be on board with them. So I, I'm telling everybody, and this is the time to get on it right now. Okay. Was you said there's one Armenian guy involved? Yes? Yeah. Okay. W- yeah. It, was he in tech before? That Armenian guy, do you he know? was in marketing before, so I think his background comes from a marketing perspective. Um, and the rest of the team is, is a great combination of folks, but you know, they've got big ideas and they're open to hearing more. So hmm. maybe we should invite them on the show, the founders. Oh, yeah, and have yeah, a discussion. hear all about it. I think it's been around for about five years in the making, so it's, it's taken some time, yeah. but this is this is the time that they're really. Um, letting everybody know about it. They're pushing it. for it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes time, because by the time, assuming they've had to raise money, and then all the glitches, and then once the end user gets it, there's a lot of issues, and so many versions have to be right. updated and And they're constantly and, updating yeah, and fixing yeah. bugs, so it's going to have capability to do all these. Like, it's going to be what Instagram is. It's going to yeah. do... It's, you can vlog from there, so it's got all these things. So to answer the question of what am I doing now, is so I'm, I'm collaborating with a lot of these businesses, and then I'm also continuing my love for film um, and for events and red carpets. So I'm still hosting a lot of um, a lot of events now. Uh, I became a little bit more known in the Armenian community specifically, so I'm working closer uh, with a lot of the business owners that I've met. And um, just recently I've joined the ARPA Film Festival, which is the longest-running fest- uh, film festival in Los Angeles, and it was founded by an Armenian woman, Silva Minasyan. Shout out to you. Um, I'm really excited to to join their gala this year. I'm going to be doing the red carpet, um, and I'll also uh, be working some of the screenings, doing Q&A. So my background is is in reporting. I'm a journalist. Yeah. Um, and so I came to L.A. to do specifically entertainment. Um, I worked in San Francisco for about 10 years for SFGov TV, and it was their local TV station in City Hall. And I pushed as much as I could with, like, how, you know, fun we can be with, like, government news. 
but you know, I was interviewing politicians and city supervisors, and so while I was asking them about propositions, I was like, can I just ask them what event they're going to this weekend? I really want to know what suit they're wearing, and like, that's the stuff I wanted to talk about. Who are you wearing? Pretty much, <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, stuff. Burlington so Court Factory. They let me push. They let me push as much as I could and get creative as much as I could, but I knew it was a matter of time before I had to come to LA. But when you have 30 seconds, well, what's the average time you have, let's say, with one of those celebrities walking by? Sometimes the publicist will tell you, you can only ask them one question. And how do you come up with that question, that one question? Yeah, it's got to be a good one. You know, it's got to be a good one that they really stop and go, oh, no one's asked me that yet What today. did you have for Because lunch they're, today? They're, no, they're essentially answering the same thing. You know, tell me about the character yeah. in this film. You know, what was it like to play this role? How was it like working with this person? It's the same kind of questions, which are good questions, but they're the standard ones. If you want to be remembered or if you want them to tell you something that nobody else knows, ask them something different. Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? What did you have for lunch? Do, like, what did, do you have a routine that you have when you prepare for events like this? Do you have like a thing that you do? And, and some of them are like, I'm glad you asked that. I actually do. So it's interesting to find out yeah. all of their little hmm. quirks. And so I've met some really inspiring people. Because the other day we were having like a brainstorming session. Um, and the question came up. Mm. And, I, and I don't know if you would ha have, an, either one of you would have this question in mind. But let's say if you had the opportunity to ask one question to somebody you idolize, whoever that is, let's say... You, Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or, I don't know, Jennifer Aniston or some reporter that's famous, whoever. Dave Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Bedavid. <Dave. laughs> like, I'm surprised you haven't gotten him on the show. Who? Patrick Bedavid. You want me to go there? <laughs> yeah. Live on the show? I would need another glass All of right. wine. <laughs> like... Hey, Pat, <laughs> 100. Get on the show. No, 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 no. Like, would you, would you, do you have that one question in mind that you would ask? I think my question depends on who they are. It's, it's different. Well, who would you want it to be? I'd want to interview Oprah. So what would, what would that one question be? I, I have to think about that. Because it's, That's it's, tough, man. It's tough. It's not, an, you know, if you only have one shot. Yeah. Then you got to do it right. And and it could be a long question, but one question. And I would I would you want my you want my question? Okay. Where's the market gonna grow? <laughs> <laughs> I would okay. Asking the celebrity or influencer, politician, doesn't matter who it is. I would have I have one person in mind and I have one question. I would ask Hillary Clinton, did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? <laughs> That's what I would ask. You and do they have to that. tell the truth, right? You would ask her that. Well, <coughs> I, I guess that, that was a curveball. I wasn't expecting that, but... You wouldn't be curious to find out? I mean, you wouldn't change anything in my <laughs> life. If I had that one opportunity, I don't think I'm going to waste it on yeah. Hillary well, Clinton. Be, you'll be a legend. But it's all about being... Just using your natural curiosity. You know, when I'm on the carpet, a lot of the times I don't plan my questions. Yeah. I just kind of say what's on my mind or in that moment. Or when I'm doing interviews, I don't do that much prep. I'll, I'll go back and I'll read a little bit about who this person is, but I don't really plan exactly word for word what the questions are going to be because I want it to be more conversational. It's more about listening, listening to their answer and then asking a question to follow up on what they were saying to continue the conversation. I think it's like a tag team thing. You yeah. got to have a good question and you got to hope they have a good answer. 
sometimes you even know their answer. You even know their answer ahead of time. Really? Well, if you... So you're leading them to a certain direction. Mm. You guys know that. Yeah, but, but what I was referring to is like, let's say a, a key question that's going to help you unlock something within your industry or business or... Obviously, it's more business-driven than anything yeah. else, but what would that question be that if, if I had the answer to? Like if there's a it would formula take, Yeah, success? it would take me to a different level or something. I don't know, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And I've been thinking about it for the last week. I still haven't come up with the one question. Well, we're going <laughs> well, to take some time to think Who would about your it? celebrity be? That's it's what not I'm a celebrity. Or whoever it is. What would celebrity? Uh, celebrity care. Uh, no, because uh, every like you like like you said, like everybody kind of has that uh, one person that they would like to ask that one question or two questions or even have yeah. a simple conversation. Well, no, nowadays celebrities are asking for top dollar for, for what two minute interviews. Well, you got to be careful, right? Cancel culture is a real thing, and and people are being held accountable more for the words that they say, and so you have to be more careful. So when they agree to certain interviews they're very careful but, in particular but here's i mean we'll get to the ca- cancel but we had two questions that mm. were really interesting uh, dj harry says um dj high effects i should say oh, hey. if it's living or dead i would choose christ as the person i'd ask a question and my question would be why did you sacrifice yourself for us are we really that worth it and i mean that, that that question's answered already i think it was answered before What's the answer? Yes. Yes. He yes. sacrificed himself for our sins. And would he do it again? That's, that that's the real question. Have we been worth it? May basically. Have we been worth it? I don't know. You tell some us. Are we us worth that, it? <laughs> some of us not so. Well, you know, we're imperfect. And so that's part of It's all part of the human experience. And so nothing we're doing is anything that outrageous. You know, people have been rebelling against society for a very long time. And so I think that it's just a cycle. It's a different type of rebellion now. The, the That's one, what we say, but is it really? I mean, the one 50, thing, 70 years ago when people were protesting Elvis, like they thought, oh my God, this guy is like the devil. You know, they thought no, it was when, the worst When thing you in the talk world. to older people as much as I do, you'll understand that. Like, for example, today I was speaking to a 91 year old, okay? And I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when she was growing up, growing up meaning she was a little bit in the older ages, they had a fentanyl issue, like a fentanyl problem. And fentanyl. Uh, now. Well, now it's the number one cause of death for people ages 18 to 45. But I didn't know it was an issue back wow. in the 60s. Fentanyl, huh? Back then? Again, I have to look into it, but that's what we were, I was discussing with her. I was like, so, you know, how was it growing up? And she told me where she was born and how she lost her parents and so on and how she met her husband. They were married for 70 years. And then we got into fentanyl. <laughs> one thing led to another. <laughs> one thing led to another. <laughs> conversation <laughs> took a turn. Yeah. Hence the reason and why I asked, you know, con- yeah. look at where actu- your conversation went. That's and I actually I- had to Google to find out fentanyl came out in 1951, oh. 59, and it was introduced more to the masses in the early 60s. I didn't know that. So I learned something new fentanyl today. Fentanyl in the 60s, cocaine in the 80s. All I know is I'm going to be extra careful during Halloween this year because they've got, you know, the different colors or that's, whatever. That's every year, though. Ugh. It's every year. Every Here's the thing. When Halloween comes around, every year it's the same thing. There's needles inside your Snickers bar. There's razor blades inside this. It's like, dude, it's, if, it's if you're, something. yeah, it's if you're, yeah, it's, they, they, they kind of 
I don't want to say instill it, but I think it's more of a reminder that, hey, listen, check your candy before you eat it. And for those of you that need your candy checked, I've been more than happy to check the candy for you. Just drop it off at my office, and I'll check every single piece of candy for you. No, not come, a problem. Come by my house. I just make steak and pass it out. Instead of candy. <laughs> you, can't, you can't give anything that's not wrapped. So every year my kids go <laughs> trick-or-treating and then they'll have like a little bit of candy and then the next couple of days they're allowed a little bit of candy and then mom just takes the rest of it. It's just like, it's just mine. No, it's just, it's go, all see? my candy. And do you eat it or do you dispose of it? <gasps> I, I do eat it. She disposes of it in I a different dispose, way. Yes. Different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've got a sweet tooth and, you know. See, as far as like going back to, you know, the whole red carpet thing and asking the right questions, mm-hmm. I, I think where you were kind of going with it was kind of like that Joan Rivers concept where Joan Rivers became like this red carpet extraordinaire because she would ask the right questions to the right celebrities and get these amazing answers and it was well she invented who are you wearing that was her oh is that her really who are you wearing Mm. she was the first one to say that. you see like it's the simplest thing thing. who are you wearing and i i would love to see the first time she asked somebody that Mm. to see what their reaction was they probably had to look it up and like, what do you mean? Yeah. Who am, who I, am wearing? I wearing? Yeah, I'm wearing clothes because <laughs> because now it's like a normal kind of phrase. It's and like, by the way, I'm wearing Armenian designers. I wanted to just really? say that real quick. Yeah. So this is Ladare. Um, they're, they're one of my good friends. So Ladare, and then Fashion Drug by Anahit. Uh, both great friends of mine. Um, Armenian. Do they have it for men? Or? Not yet, but I think that they're they're working on it. Well, you so. can you can pull that off. Yeah, I think so. Sure. Just in a different maybe size. A little, maybe a little too small. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure Anna, I could patch two of them together. <laughs> or three. <laughs> or three. <laughs> uh, Hector's question would be, um, what is a woman? <laughs> well, the Daily Wire answered that to an extent. If you watch the Daily Wire. What's his name? The guy? Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh, yes. He tried to answer that question, but got the runaround. Uh, it's a tough question. It's a very tough question. It, did you guys watch the interview with Kanye West and Piers Morgan? I haven't watched it Recently, yet. No. I know Vic sent it to us. I watched it, and not that one. I watched the one that also had somebody that was giving their opinion on it too. Mm-hmm. It was interesting as far as. Um, well, they're making Kanye out, Kanye out to be like this crazy person now. Well, he doesn't care, so he's you know out there saying every whatever he's saying and so a lot of the times it is kind of getting taken out of out of context but he doesn't mind because he wants kind of that controversy and he, he welcomes it well yeah he's been out of the spotlight for how long now ever since their divorce with uh kim yeah but he's made more money since he's been out of the spotlight well, of course yeah the guys I, mean, I think worth like 10 plus billion yeah now. according yeah. to him 11 billion well i mean remember the guy's a multi-platinum artist as well i mean he's he's sold out stadiums he's sold out Albums left and right. I mean, bro, he, um, let me put it this way. Kanye West drops a, a single. I'm not even talking about an album. Just a single. Know that on Spotify, on Apple, on Google Play, whatever it is, bro, he's going to be in like the multi-millions as far as downloads yeah. within 24 hours. Well, he's immensely talented, and he's very different. He's not afraid to be different, and I think that's kind of that's why. What I don't understand why we don't allow these people to just speak their mind. I mean... We gave them the spotlight. Right. And why not let them speak their mind? That's... Because if, if you're saying something that's hurting a community of people, that you should be held accountable for. You know, it's not to say you can't speak your mind. Absolutely, you should speak your mind. But you should be mindful because your words have power. Yeah. 
I think it's come. It goes back to what you were mentioning and what you were mentioning as well, as far as cancel culture. People don't like what you say. They go in the masses, and it's not. It's not a big group. It's a very small group. It's just the, that damn algorithms. It takes four people to report you, and that's it. You. I mean, the other day, Joseph sent me a screenshot of his Facebook. It said, you're banned for 30 days. I'm like, did you post anything? He's like, no. And then half an hour later, he texts me back an image saying, oh, you're back on now. We, it was a mistake. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law was banned from Instagram for calling a Turk a donkey fucker. <laughs> it was like, I mean, there, there's truth in that, but it's like he was banned. Well, you said the F word. I think that's what it I is. Mean, it's like, have you seen the content that's the on com- Instagram? I know. I mean, but if every single person got reported for the things that they're saying, then it wouldn't have happened. I just think the Azeris are a little bit more active in that sense that they will report and they will hack and they will do all that. But that's specific to them. And then you guys may have a certain group that is a little bit vocal because they're they just feel so strongly against whatever see, else you've said. you've seen our memes, right? They're pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, we try to. <laughs> Like, Some well, of them are yeah, funny. Some yeah. of them are like, "Oh my god, did he really just go there?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, like, when when we when we put up our memes and we kind of filtered through some of them, I mean, if you guys have noticed, it's been a little toned down, just a tad a bit. Tad bit. Uh, and the only reason why is because, I mean, there's people out there that are just, I guess, reporting it, and our Instagram and stuff has kind of been locked out in certain ways, and we're being shadow banned. So. We're tr- we're trying to just figure out what it is, yeah. but I- I'm telling you, it's a small group that's making a lot of noise, and they're basically just kind of going in there at a certain time where the algorithms are in their favor. And when you let's say you have thirty, forty of them, and they all report simultaneously, that gets Instagram's attention. Just like when right. remember when people would get like their fake accounts made, and you would be like, "Oh my god, somebody made a fake account of mine," and then you would take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram, and you'd be like. Go report it. Yeah. Within minutes, Instantly, if it's, it would yeah, it would down. get taken down. Why? Because of the algorithms. People would report it, report it, report it. They would catch their attention, and it's gone. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's privately owned companies, and freedom of sp- speech doesn't apply to them. Well, it's trickier with, with privately owned companies because they can do whatever they want. Um, but I, I think holding people accountable is not so much of a bad thing, and we have to be careful what we say, how we say it. So there's so many amazing, great things that we could be talking about, like focusing on certain memes that are hurting somebody else maybe isn't the way to do it. And if someone feels so strongly, then you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth getting shadow banned over when you actually do have these amazing topics and and things that you can share and share of value over some stupid meme that was, you know, inappropriate. Well, there's a reason why more people share inappropriate stuff than appropriate. Because appropriate doesn't get any attention, doesn't get any eyeballs. It's not interesting, it's not controversial. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could open Instagram right now, I'm sure there's at least a, a dozen inappropriate things that are going to Because pop it's up. shocking and it grabs your attention and we don't have as much patience anymore. I think people have gotten more sensitive. I think it, that's it's what like, it is. It's a combination of, of both, I, I think... Um, you know, there are certain communities that just feel like they don't want to continue to feel less than and hurt and bullied. And so they're just speaking out. 
Like, how is this appropriate? A guy getting branded. It's not. It's it's absolutely see, not appropriate. I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, see, like, this is okay to post on Instagram, and there's no warning or anything, but then, you know. That's all you have? Well, that's one I'm thing. I'm sure there's worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure there's worse. Get better stuff I'm sure that. there's worse, better but, uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of what's okay and what's not. Some of the twerk videos, some of the other semi-nude videos. semi well, okay, side boob videos or side, side boob, boob photos. They just put a Band-Aid on the private areas and they call it coverage. Well, you saw the realtor that I posted the other day, right? Yeah. Like, how is that okay? There was a, there was a, like which you said, one? it's attention grabbing, right? It's different. Of That's course. why it's done. But And I'm okay with that. But then don't ban us either. That's all I'm saying. I'm, right. I, I'm not complaining think, no, about no, all that. shouldn't ban you, no. Let them post whatever they want. I just think don't be surprised by it, you know? what happens and it's but see that's that's the thing what what i truly enjoy is a is a good conversation a good debate because that's what opens your mind i i love to talk to different people and that's part of the reason why we do this is we love to have conversation with people from all walks of life because it opens your mind allows you to think outside of your own little cocoon right that the same eight people that you associate with all the time and um it it just but if whatever we talk about is limited because the moment I express myself, I have to think about, and imagine if this is what I did for a living. Like, they ban us. This is Neither one of us do this for a living, so it doesn't affect our income or bottom line or anything. No. Um, it, it, it affects our ratings, but it doesn't affect our... No, it's I, not going to affect our pocket. I love yeah. talking to people with strong opinions. Um, Prosciutto, salami. Oh, go for it. Would you like some? Um, I'll take the yellow flower. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have some of the golden berries. I love these little guys. You either love it or hate it. With what these is ones. Golden They're berry? called golden berries. See, Goliath says they're straight up triple X porn on Twitter. I'm, I'm telling you. Watch. Let's let's go on. Are we going to look that up right now? No, no. I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm curious. <laughs> He's going to go on Pornhub.com. <laughs> what is this? I mean, no, Why is this woman doing this? It's, con- it's controversial. <laughs> it's controversial. It works. How is this mother doing this to her son's friend? Like, okay, look at like. What? Oh my gosh! That's so. That's what on that? Instagram. That's my Instagram. Instagram doesn't show me stuff like that. I don't know. Sick. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that that's completely not appropriate. I'm surprised it's it's not being reported. But that's Instagram. You know, like you said, people are pushing yeah, look the at envelope. That. People look are at pushing that. the envelope a little bit. Well, there's, there's, there's so well, ne- this, I guess the monetization just went away from this one. This episode. Yeah, I mean, people are pushing the envelope. Like you said, you you enjoy to, to have uh, fruitful conversations, interesting conversations with people who may have a differing opinion. And so maybe that stems from the same thing as they want a sort of reaction. They want something different. But see, that's the thing where it's like all we're doing is we're – Three or sometimes four individuals having a very most of the time. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're well, no, because we do four. we do solo shows as well. That's why. As far not solo, but the three of us. But you know, we're four individuals sitting down having a simple conversation amongst each other, and we happen to put it live on. It happens to be live. Yeah, it happens to be live and on recorded forever. Yeah, ever, for ever. for ev- for anybody to to <laughs> watch and yeah. enjoy with us. On our channel. Right. It's your our own channel. Platform. Yeah, it's my own channel that I've created on social media where, you know, YouTube, when it was originally created, 
it was made for you to create content for yourself. But now that you're regulating the content that you're allowing me to put online, well, what was the point of YouTube in the first place then? I have to say, Vesby doesn't do that. So <laughs> one of the things that they're really priding themselves on is that they're, it's like all encrypted. It's, it's whatever it is that you put out there, it's, it's private and nobody is going to oversee it, you know, um, and I, I, that's one of the reasons why it's so. so there's going to be video sharing on Vesby as well. There's already video sharing. There's already Vesby video sharing and vlogging mm -hmm. and Messenger, um, all of these great capabilities. So there are, are other platforms. We just don't use them yet, and they're just not as popular. Yeah, but the challenge is ultimately who's hosting that platform because Parler allowed everything, pretty much. But Parler was hosted by Amazon, the largest iCloud. Um, not iCloud, the largest host mm -hmm. uh, hosting service out there. Yeah. And Amazon decided to shut their hosting services down, so Parler was out. Yeah. And now, uh, supposedly, Kanye wants to buy Parler. Kanye wants to buy Parler. Um, what was the other one that was... Um, Rumble was another one that was kind of uh, open to the public, and there's no censorship there. Because, mm -hmm. dude, episodes of ours have been pulled from YouTube. And I, th I'm like, thank God we have it saved on like a hard drive. Yeah, without Where warning, did they don't even tell you anything? All of a sudden, it's gone. Yeah, it was episode. I forgot which one it was, but it was with Pedro Sajjan. And mind you, it was pretty controversial. But um, the episode was pulled. No warning. One sixty something, I think. Yeah, no warning, nothing at all. And then when I, you know, emailed them, I asked them, you know, why was the episode pulled? Um, they didn't even respond to they the email. Respond. They didn't respond to the. I mean, I had it saved as far as the video, the audio content. Um, another one that we had a we got flagged on was uh, with Teddy, where Fred's cousin was on with us. Teddy's was flagged as well. So it's like every single time we have somebody coming on and talking their mind, and Freddie's and Teddy's conversation was a great conversation. I mean, he talked about family. He talked about you know his values, his kids, his business, everything. And, you know, he's the, a very dynamic speaker, by the way. Yeah, he's a great speaker. And, you know, the guy, you know, literally spoke from his heart about yeah. everything. And you literally turn around and you flag the damn episode? For what? Somebody probably got reported it. But Hector's right. I think we should maybe get a VPN, create a separate <clears throat> account. We can't. Why not? Because of... Not wise nuts. Like something completely different. And post, like, you know, pedophilia, all this, you know, crap. And see, nothing will happen. We won't get shut down. We may even climb up the algorithms. It, it just, it's, it seems like... <laughs> Try it out. <laughs> or the shot. I don't think I can. <laughs> Try it out. I really don't... See, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I look at it as, uh, as time is going on more and more, uh, we're, being, we're being molded into different type of people. And I feel sorry for the is future. Is it bad to be molded into a different... Like, we're forever evolving and changing. They're taking away culture. They're taking away uh, values. They're taking away morals. Is that what they're taking away? I think so. Haven't you, have you seen that Honda Accord commercial where it's two individuals, a guy and a girl, if I could say that, are driving in a Honda, mm -hmm. and they're driving through a city, going from lane to lane, street to street, and they're busting through like these different type of bubbles. It says like financial, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bursting it's through cool. these bubbles, like as in like they're going through that in their life as a yeah. couple. 
And then as soon as it gets, and you've seen this one, and as soon as it gets to marriage, they break. Oh, is that and right? they look at each other, they go, and then they turn. It's like, why? Why? Why does, why did it have to stop there? Why was that the topic? And when you look at them, it's like a guy and a girl. It's like, now when kids see that, they're thinking, oh, you know what? They were cool. They were having so much fun. They were driving around the city, going through all these, you know, streets and stuff. But they stopped in marriage. Oh, my God. It's so, it's so, it's so like, ugh. That's, it's a small little message that basically is encrypted into kids' brains that later on when they get older, they're going to remember that. And so the only thing we can do is we instill our values, what we believe. So when they see those messages, it doesn't affect them. That's true. But there's just, again, there's too much, too much influence. The, ki- the older the kids get, the less time they spend with their parents. That's right? true. I mean, you, I'm sure you've noticed between your two, seven, and nine, you probably spend more time with your two, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? Then seven and nine. And then once they get into the twelves and teens and all that. Their actual personality yeah. comes out. Absolutely. And I'm, ner- I'm nervous about that as all parents. Your older one is a. He's a boy. He's a boy. Yeah. yeah. And See, he's very curious. He asks a lot of questions. And so he's naturally kind of more on the sensitive side. And I worry about that because I want him to be strong. Like my daughter, she's very confident. She makes friends with everyone. My son is a little bit more hesitant. So I. You know, I try to encourage him <coughs> to be more confident. Your daughter's a middle child? She's the middle That's one. That's why. Is that right? It's middle child syndrome. Interesting. It, but it's the opposite, where she's really friendly. And so... No, 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 no. Middle children are more friendly, and they're more outspoken. Okay. Whereas... I thought middle child syndrome we're, is like... We're opposite. I'm more outspoken than my brother. Well, statistics have shown that middle children are more... Because here, here's what they say. The older one is born. They get all this love, all this treatment. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is born. Or the middle child, yeah, and they go, oh my God, it's another baby, and all of a sudden, boom, three's around, and they go, okay, you know what? Yeah, the oh, the, the third the, one, yeah, the, the third one is just there. Yeah, the 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 middle one will fend for themselves. We got to take care of this one, but then, oh, this is the firstborn. We got to make sure, you know, the firstborn. He's is, still satisfied. He's satisfied, and then the younger one, it's kind of like, are you okay? Everything's cool. You know, you're kosher. Is that then, how you felt growing up? I was. I, are, I like my. With are my, you a middle child or are you I'm older? I'm the oldest. I'm, I'm older of uh, two, so I have a younger brother, mm-hmm. and so I I did feel there was there, on me there was more pressure on me. There's more responsibility on me with my brother. He's like, well, he's the baby. He gets away with it. I see. And so I'm purposely trying not to do that with my kids because I don't want my oldest to feel like there's all this pressure on him, and then the baby to feel like she's you know there's nothing she can do wrong. Even though right now she's only two, and that is true. Terrible twos, but they Absolutely. still know it at that age. Say it again? I, at two, they know what they can get away with. I think they do. They're very smart. Yeah. I mean, it's the littlest, littlest babies are really like the scrappiest. You know, they're the ones who kind of have Scrappy. to feed themselves. <laughs> they're like, all right, it's... Uh, my, my son is crying after me now. He's nine months. Is like, I'm leaving. Baby? I'm leaving every... I yeah. swear, like, for the past couple of days, so I cute. leave the house. This guy's in his so little cute. walker. Ugh. Just walking, roaming around the house. And then he, he hears my keys. Oh, and he knows you're And then he'll just go... Hey, where are you going? You have a father-son relationship That's pretty beautiful. much. But, you know, my little one does that to <laughs> me, too. My little one does that to me, too. And it's hard because I'm out, so I do these events, and I go everywhere. I'm, I'm out a lot. And so, oh gosh, I feel that mom guilt, you know, because she is always. Do you and the husband or ex-husband tag team? 
as far as we you know i have the most of the time and so you know he he helps when he can but he's busy and so i i have a lot of support um from friends from nannies my mom will ship my dad down to me for weeks at a time to help mom me will ship dad but mom won't ship out she won't she won't come I mean, she loves her her bubble and she loves san francisco she loves the weather she hates the traffic in la and she's she's busy you know with her businesses so she's you know a working very busy lady so she ships my dad down to me and um you know he's kind of like uh my go-to you know for, for these super dad it's it's a lot it's it's difficult and you know to to do that from when she was like, you know, two to three months old, um, and to kind of pursue my passion and my dream versus where I just wanted to stay home and just snuggle this baby, I kind of felt like I had to be this bigger person to give myself purpose so then I could pour over from this cup that I wanted to keep full. I needed to do these things, but it's a constant dilemma of that mom guilt of when you leave and you have to work and you have to go to these events well, yeah, and you miss out on that time with these babies. And well, not kids. only that, I mean, just emotionally, hormonally, you're you're going through a lot. And yeah, you can't look at it as mom guilt. You have to look at right. it as, you know, dude, you just, yeah. there was a human being growing inside you and you, you're going yeah. through a lot of they ups say, and downs. You know, some people say that, you know, a woman is most vulnerable emotionally when she's pregnant, but that's not true. It's really those first three months after she gives birth. So for me, I had such a transition during that period that I'm like, at one point, I'm like, I don't even know if I can make it tomorrow. Like, I needed motivation every day to wake up and to give myself that purpose to get through my funk, what I was going through, and to be the strongest I can be for them. It's What helped you get out of that funk? It was um, my, my activism for Armenia is what helped me get through that funk. I felt like I threw my heart into something bigger than me. And um, it helped me heal. And that was kind of the silver lining of, of this war that broke out is we had such a community after that. There was such beautiful connection that came out of that time that was just so dark for our people. And I really hope that we do everything that we can to continue to keep it strong. And it's unfortunate. I, yeah, you know, it's, I don't think we will. It's just it's hard. nature where yeah. we're, everybody's very active and involved during that few days, few weeks, few months maybe, and then the flame dies out and everybody goes back to their little bubble programming. And, yeah. and, uh, but again, it's hard to blame them as well because, I mean, even, for example, when I was in Yerevan, I didn't even feel that in Yerevan. I feel like the diaspora is, is what people tell me is the diaspora is more passionate than sometimes some yeah. the Armenians in Armenia. They're not as active um, the way we are. You know, we're all about like we have to spread the word and we have to, you know, hold our tell our legislators and tell everybody what's going on and and they're kind of for them it's a way of life. Like they're living yeah. it. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah, because see, when you were there, you you know, and you just mentioned it. Like it's kind of. And my parents were there as mm-hmm. well recently. Yeah. At the same time, you don't feel like anything's like, going yeah. on. Like they were, they had left um, Jermuk a couple of days prior to the attacks. So, I f- I wait until morning and I and I call my mom in Armenia, and I go, "Are you guys okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. What's wrong? <laughs> like, well, so what, what what's what's going on? Like, tell, yeah, I'm like, tell, tell me the tell me the information. Like, uh, what, what is everything okay in Yerevan? She's like. What, what are you talking about? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I talking about? You should know better than I should. 
She goes, like, I don't know, like, what are you talking she about? She genuinely didn't know, or she thought it was they normal? Were, they were sitting at a cafe, having yeah. breakfast with coffee and tea, and enjoying Yerevan while Jermuk was being attacked. And They had just gotten back from Jermuk, A couple though, days. Right? Oh, couple, it was a couple, couple days. days. A couple days. So, um, I mean, um, I thank God every day that they weren't there during the attacks. But, like, there's a TV there. There's people walking around. And I'm like, no waiter, waitresses, uh, TV, news. Nobody's talking about it? She goes, no, no, nothing. Then everything is fine. And I was like, I need you guys to get the hell out of there as soon as possible. Because the last thing I want wow. is for the country to go into lockdown completely. Because Armenia proper was at that point attacked. So, like... No, Armand mentioned it as well. Like there was no information, no news. Nobody was really talking about it. Even the explosion that had happened, yeah. he was in. He was in a plane flying to Armenia, and oh, the wow. explosion happened. And like Edgar, myself, and a friend of ours, you know, we were in a group chat, chit chatting. We're like, bro, uh, have have you heard from Armand? Has he gotten there? Do you <laughs> think he's okay? Like we were, we were genuinely concerned because we we're like, uh, we hope everything is okay. And, you know, he got there. He's like, yeah, here's it's my fun. first cup of coffee in Yerevan. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what the fuck is going on? But like, it's like the constant state of war becomes normal for them. Like, they're they're almost like they're used to it. Even I remember as a kid, I was about five years old. I remember there was war tanks that were going up and down the street. And, like, like I could hear the rumbling from, from, you know, the movement of the tanks. And it was nobody was responding. It was fine. It's like this is a way of life. We're used to it here. Versus us, when we see something like that, we're – because we're so far away, we're like, well, what can we do? How can we help? And well, we I feel think like ours is more of the fate of Armenia. Mm-hmm. That's what ours is. I think yeah. it's not the war. Forget the war. It's the fate of Armenia. And you know, I think the fate of Armenia, unfortunately, was written in 1999 after the parliament shooting. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it was actually written, where everything was sold off. Everything was basically stamped, notarized, call it whatever you want. I haven't been to Armenia since I was eight years old when we moved here, and I'm always thinking, like, when I finally do get to go, is it going to be completely different? Is there even going to be that area that I grew up in? Am I going to be able to see it? Am I going to be able to go back? I was going to go last um, last summer, and then I, I got COVID. I got sick, and I had to cancel my whole trip. I'm like, oh, it's not meant to be. And then since then, there were certain areas that now you can't access that you could have accessed if I went there last July. But you weren't in Yerevan. Where, where, what city did you guys live in? We lived in Yerevan. In Yerevan. Yeah. Oh, then Yerevan's no, no, all in Yerevan's fine. Yeah. But I mean, you know, all of the smaller towns that you know my grandfather talked about and that my, my dad has all these stories. I want to visit those places. And I want to go there with him. And now I think, like, another year passes, like, a few months pass, and I think, like, okay, that's one of the fears that I have is that I won't get to see these places. See, that's what I'm saying. It's the fate of Armenia. Where is that fate of Armenia going to be? It's, it's That's what we don't know. And uh, anybody who, you know, there's all these influencers and all these people that are, quote-unquote, keyboard heroes online saying, well, what are you doing? And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Look, stop lying to yourself. I'm telling you right now, whoever is in charge as far as the big dogs upstairs, everything is already planned out. We're we're way, way, way behind the schedule. What, What is going to happen, really, nobody knows. Really, nobody knows what's going to happen. And if you think you're going to really change anything... But we can, though. We can change a lot. I hope we can, but I think 
like I said. To say that everything is pre-planned. And oh, yeah. I, I, th- I think, like I said. I don't want to believe that. I know. Just as I know. myself, I you, want to continue to think positively. I want to think that absolutely. my efforts are going to be worth it. And I, I think the best way that we can help Armenia, what we can do every single day, is we support Armenian businesses. I know. I know. I get what you mean, but I feel like, I just feel like the the actual heroes of Armenia were, you know, Lozgan Sarkisyan and, you know, other people. Uh, that were involved in the parliament shooting, that were victims of the parliament shooting, those were the actual heroes of Armenia, and they were taken out. Mm-hmm. And whoever sat after, and whoever the people were, whether you know it was the big dogs upstairs, or the Kocharians, or the Sarkisians, or the Der Pedrosians, whoever they were, uh, they they wrote whatever Armenia's history will be till today. Uh, again, I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong because I, hope I, so. I plan to take my, both my kids to Armenia to have them see where dad was born, mom was born. Yeah. But uh, again, no, I, if I were to tell you I know what's going to happen, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I just hope well, we, don't we know what's prosper. Happen tomorrow. That's life, though. We don't know what's going to happen. And so we try to make the best of, of what we have now. You know, when I moved to L.A., I thought I was going to get a job at E.T. I thought everything was preplanned, everything was ready, and then I had a curveball thrown at me. And so here we are. And I'll be honest, I am kind of day-to-day. I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have a 10-year plan. I'm just appreciating today. And if I have tomorrow, I'll be thankful for that too. Yeah. And but I hope Armenia God. will be there tomorrow too. Well, you know? I think ultimately everything's going to work out. I hope It's so. not going to be maybe too or liking 100%, but everything's going to pan out eventually. I just, like I said, I hope it... I mean, the whole world is a mess right now. Uh, right. Yeah, you're up. No, you're right. You know, you're right. I just not, hope we don't lose no, what we have. We won't lose Armenia. I don't. I don't see that happening. It's. I mean, in modern history, you don't necessarily lose a country anymore. This is not the old days where you can just pick up another country and call it your own. One thing that'll never they'll never take from us is just how rich our culture is. It is really incredibly rich, and I had a, that exact realization this weekend. Um, just yesterday, I went to an event that they had 18 designers that they flew out from Armenia, high fashion designers. Was that yesterday? That was just yesterday. Mm-hmm. These beautiful pieces, I couldn't even believe they were coming out of Armenia because in my in, even in my head, I think, oh, you know, Armenia is still kind of in a, in a box and everything looks a certain way. But no, these, these were beautiful modern pieces that could have just came out of Paris or Italy or, yeah. or just the ideas. It's, it's incredible. It makes me so proud. Um, on Friday, I went to screen Jivan Abadisian's film, Gate to Heaven. Yeah. And uh, they were screaming it at, streaming it at AMC because it was awarded you know, to be streamed there. And so you you think of these incredible people and just our brilliant minds, and the possibilities are endless. So Armenia is never going to diminish because our culture will never diminish. It's going to live within us so long as we continue to stay divided and we support each other. One thing that some members of our community do is they are just so highly critical, incredibly critical. When I was in San Francisco and I was working at SFGovTV, the, the government station there, uh, we produced a lot of original programs, and one of them, um, one of the senior producers approached me, and she said, hey, tell me about this food festival that you guys have at KZV, that Armenian school. Um, I'm like, yeah, every year there's this beautiful Armenian festival, and she's like, let's do a piece on them. The show was called Quick Bites. It was, um, you know, got the most hits on YouTube out of any video that we did. I don't know if it still did, but um, if it still holds that record, but at the time that it nice. did. 
And so when I went out there to produce the piece, I was talking to the organizers. Um, and when we were doing the interview, I remember he got, got a little bit emotional during the interview. It was just, you know, this beautiful part where he was talking about um, the grandmas and that generation and how the fact that they're the ones who cook the, cook the pastries and they make the food. Um, and he got emotional and he started to cry. And then um, when we were editing the piece together, I said, you got to take out the part where he's crying. And they're like, what do you mean? This is the heart of the piece. We can't take that out. And I said, well, our community is probably going to criticize him and judge him. And they're going to be like, well, there's a man crying. They're not going to listen to the piece. They're just going to focus on that one part where 100%. he's crying. Yeah. And so I, I really said, sorry, guys. And they thought I was crazy. But we did take that out. And uh, we ended up you know, doing the piece that was focusing just more on the food. And guess what? They criticize that the food isn't Armenian enough. I'm not Armenian enough. I'm not even really Armenian. So I'm like, there's no pleasing. <laughs> not and, you know, it's a now, now you're like, fuck, people. we should have left the crying part in. You know, like, oh, See, what let are you going to do? Let me ask what you do? this. Uh, again, we, you know, we talked about Armenia. We talked about um, the red carpet and all this stuff in Hollywood. But as far as for you, being Armenian and Ukrainian, both countries are in war. And... To be honest with you, I mean, you know, what's going on in Ukraine and the history behind Ukraine as far as, you know, with, again, well, uh, I've said it, you know, I think we're going to see a Netflix special in a couple of years as far as the money laundering that's going on there, but that's beyond itself. But how much criticism are you getting being Ukrainian and half Armenian? Well, when I showed my support for Ukraine when everything broke out. Yes. I was getting criticized. They're like, well, what are you doing? Are, don't you care about Armenia? Don't you understand that Ukraine worked with Azerbaijan? I'm like, "Correct." Uh, I don't know what happened politically. I know the people need us, and I know that they're the underdogs just like Armenia is. And I feel like the, these are two underdogs you know, going through this huge fight that is just practically impossible. You know, They're fighting Goliath. This is David and Goliath. And... They do have a lot of support from the global community, and that's the difference. And, and we're upset that we're not getting that same support from Armenia, and I completely understand that. But I understand both perspectives because, in a way, it's like, well, should we not care about the people of Ukraine? Because they're getting hurt the same way the people of Armenia are getting hurt, except they're just there's just more support. There's more awareness for Armenia. It's like they're getting left behind. I think globally, the rest of the world doesn't understand the conflict that we have in, between Armenia and Azerbaijan and just you know, the neighbors, because they think, well, th this is just this back and forth thing no, that they because have over Ar there constantly. Ar Armenia and Azerbaijan is more of a territorial battle, and it's not sexy enough because Russia's not involved. Right. When they look at Russia, they go, ooh, it's the enemy. They're involved. Let's, you know, let's back them. But, I mean, everybody, everybody knows Ukraine, Israel, and a lot of other countries were selling weapons to Azerbaijan. I mean... It's it's out there. It's fact. I mean, when you you know when you went out there and you showed support for Ukraine, did people give you shit as far as yeah. like, oh my god, she's Ukrainian, she must be an enemy? I did get a few DMs that were questioning, you know, what my intentions were and what I was trying to do here. But How do you I, I to easily that? said it's because I have family in Ukraine. This is personal to me, just like Armenia is personal to me. And when you hear the personal stories of there's old people that are stuck in their homes and they can't go out and get groceries because there's a war outside. And when families are, you know, the the wives and the children have to leave and then the husbands stay in case they get drafted. When you hear that, your heart breaks and you're like, oh my gosh, what can I do? How can I help? 
But we don't see it that way. We see it as a political issue. And so we're like, we don't need to get involved. And I don't think that's fair. I think that when it comes to our agenda, our, our Armenian you know, fight, we want the rest of the world to stop what they're doing and care. But when it comes to everybody else, sometimes we just question it, we doubt it. It comes from just our inherent doubt of everybody else because we think the you know people are out to get us, yeah. um, and so that's that's just natural to our intergenerational trauma that we that we've experienced. Like, were you were you pissed that Ukraine was getting all the support and Armenia wasn't, as far as militarily as well? Militarily. Yes, social media. Yes, not so because I mean it's expected. That's the thing. I wasn't surprised. That's why because no, 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying surprised to get the response. Yeah, you did. No, no, I expected Ukraine to get the response. It did because I was surprised. Ukraine has were because because Ukraine offers so much to the world and it is, in my opinion, like Arno mentioned as well. I agree with him. It's the center for money laundering for you know the globalists so of course they're going to get the attention because they sent 80 billion dollars to ukraine the u.s did i'm not even going to get into how that money could have been utilized here just for the veterans forget everybody else the men and women that fought for our freedoms which now we're doing everything to get rid of those freedoms that's what pisses me off more than anything else you've got millions of people in iran fighting for their freedom and here we've got all these idiots fighting for tyranny to to bring tyranny into the u.s that's so to me it wasn't surprising when we sent because i would have been shocked if they sent a billion dollars to armenia because that billion dollars would have gone a long way in armenia and we have lost far less men or less boys in the war so i wasn't i wasn't shocked honestly was i upset about it not because Ukraine got the attention, but because Armenia didn't. Because, look, Iran is getting a lot of attention right now. Iran's not getting enough attention. Well, I, I, I are, think... Are, have you seen any Iranian flags on all social medias? As in, not to that extent, no. Because the, the platform we're using to stream online, we have a filter option yeah. to change our, our, uh, our logo to a Ukrainian flag logo as well, like kind of watermarked on it. I haven't seen anything as far as the Iranian flag because Iran is a not is not in bed with America. Ukraine is in bed with America, so uh, it's difficult. It's hard to say, you know. It's but this revolution, if it does go through and people, the people of Iran succeed, it could be could be a big change for the whole I, world. I I really don't think it's gonna happen. I think there's too much money involved. Too much black gold involved. But they haven't had protests of this caliber. I get to it. This degree. I get it. But there's too much black gold involved underneath the earth for these guys to basically just fold. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think it is. I, I, I think at the end of the day, this is a big money fight where it's just all about, you know, they're playing, they're, they're literally playing chicken right now. And it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to. Who's going to crack first? Again, I, I really hope Iran does change because I would love to visit that country and see what Iran really is, you know, what it really looks like. Because, you know, my, my parents are from Iran. Both my parents were born right? in Iran, Armand's parents as well. Um, and, you know, when they talk about Iran back in the days, you know, in the 70s, you know, it was it was different. It was like the 
Paris of the Middle yeah, East. Yeah, it was the Paris of the Middle East. Yeah. It was beautiful. I've heard that before too. Yeah, and then when the when the uh, the Shah left and the Muslims took over, it was a complete 180. It became a different country alone. Like what you're wearing right now, it of would course. no it, way. It, yeah. it would like you you'd be thrown in jail. Well, that's why this whole revolution started. Yeah. But in the 70s, it would be it would what you're wearing would be like, "Oh, wow. You know, this is this what's the new thing in Paris? Is this what's the new thing in Milan?" That's what it was like. Yeah. And and that's what that's why people like us who grew up with these stories of what Iran became mm-hmm. and what it was like to live in Armenia under Soviet Union and all these different stories you hear. That's why it frustrates us to to have migrated to the best country in the world by far, the greatest country ever. And now we're fighting to be able to speak our mind. We're fighting to be able to keep our own gender and raise our kids with a you know, mother and father household without being criticized for being abnormal. That's, that's going to become abnormal very soon, trust me. When, you know, when I said 10, 10 or so years ago when they legalized gay marriage, I said, you know, that's fine. But this is going to lead to other things and other things and other things. A lot of people around me were like, you're being overdramatic. I'm like, I'm not. They, they never take, you know, 10 steps ahead. It's always small, a couple well, of inches. Well, society is always changing. And so all we can do is we instill it, our values into our no. children. It's, it's not changing for the better, though. That's the problem. That's what they've always said. They've always said it's not changing for the better. It's the same old conversation. See, biggest, it's just different issues. See, the, here's the thing. But the biggest concern is this. You instill your morals, your values, your culture into your kid, right? Your kid goes to school. If 80% of the other kids don't have the same morals and values, you know what's going to happen to your kid? Your kid's going to get bullied. Your kid's going to be called a racist. Your kid's going to be called a sexist. Your kid's going to be called a transphobic. Why would he be called those things? Are are you telling them not to like a certain group of, like, they wouldn't be called those things. I, like, okay, for example, me, I believe that a transgendered person, it has gender dysphoria. They have mental issues. You have to be careful when you're saying that to a kid because the kids see things as black and white. No, no, so no, no, no. I get it. But they're going to understand I mean, a different kind of perspective. So when they bring that thinking into this totally get it, totally get it. So but you got to be real careful no, 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 when you touch on those kind of topics. See, we always say we always say trust the science, right? And science says that it's called gender dysphoria. That's what that's what it is. I mean, it's it's as black and white as it comes. Is it normal? Unfortunately, you know, those people have some sort of disorder that they think. To you know, say that eighty percent of the school is going to think this way, I don't think so. I, I think give that it is. Time. That is a small community. It's definitely not 80% of people. I'm not saying so now. I'm not saying within the next five years or 10 years. Give it time. Give it time. It's, 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 I, I was doubting these guys three years ago as far as certain things going on and within well, the matter of... We don't of know what's going to happen tomorrow. So ultimately, we, we don't know. We don't know. We just hope for the best. We hope for the best, and we instill our morals and values into our kids, and we hope that they become confident, kind, empathetic, individuals that's yes. what i want no no no, no. you're I absolutely right i, I, the I one want thi- them to be accepting and loving of all while knowing exactly who it is that they are and what they want like my son like i said he's a little bit more sensitive and he's cautious and careful like i want him to be strong i want him to to be confident when he approaches and meets new people martial arts and he is doing that what is he yeah, doing shout out to my Dantian academy 
So um, he, he's doing uh, karate. Karate. And he's so good at it. He's good at everything he does, but so this then, kid is hard on himself. Well, he's hard on himself. Being hard on yourself is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's you, make you have to be your, your biggest critic, right? I don't care about what people say about me. If I'm if I'm better today than I was yesterday at something, then that that's what I look at. It's not about what everybody else thinks of me. Absolutely. So, and I think that you should be entitled to do whatever it is that you want to do and teach your kids whatever you want to teach, but don't tell the next person what they can and can't do with themselves because they're a separate entity. They're a separate being. No. See, that's the part see, of the, issue the beauty is, of the human experience. Well, no, the issue comes. There, there's a new phrase. I don't know if you've heard of it. MAP. M-A-P. MAP. You know what it stands for? I know what a map is, but I don't, I don't know what this mm, is. Ain't the map that you used that, to get here. Oh. Not that traditional map where you see America, and yeah, South America, right. and Asia, and Europe, and Africa, and I don't Australia. know. Do I want to know what this is? It stands for minor attracted person. What is that supposed Look to it up. Minor. And what it means is... Like slightly, you're slightly attracted. You're not all the way attracted. No, 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 no. no, 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 no attracted. No, 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 no. Attracted. Oh, okay. We're not even going to go Minor there. attracted person no no there's there's thousands of audio videos of teachers claiming that there's nothing wrong with me wanting to have sex with a five-year-old there's there's (laughs) see there's teachers that we've said not i'm I'm sorry not only teachers there are board members and there are staff locally that believe in this and we say hey listen the seat is all yours please You've you've invited them to the show. And change they, our mind. Of course, they've given yeah. their perspective it's on these. Change topics. our mind. Change our mind. Bring in t- please enlighten us. What what is that exactly? Please change Armand's Edgar's my yeah. mind. Like I have, I, have, I have a four year old who will be well next year. He'll be five. I was going to say in a few months, but next year. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to think about. It. Well, we, if, if we, we're very overprotective, and this is why we're. That's not overprotective. overprotective. That's not I, overprotective. I, I mean, as parents, we that's, try to shield our our children and our no, loved ones from these kinds of things, and so I feel like some of that thinking was the reason why my family didn't want me to go off to college. They wanted me to stay in San Francisco, go to college. They didn't want me to travel abroad because of all the what ifs and all of this stuff. Like we can't live in fear. I choose not to live no, no, in no, fear. No, no, it's not fear. It's common sense. Listen, I have a four-year-old, okay? Well, well she's not five-year-old. Five. Would you let your four-year-old travel abroad when she's, you know, in, in college? Would you be comfortable well, when letting we, her graduate? When, when we get there, we'll, we'll figure out what kind of personality she has, what type of person she is. I, I don't even know who she's going to be, but, like, my five-year-old, at the time when she was four, see, she'll pick up a toy, she'll play with it, and then it's a girl's toy, right? And then when my older... When her older cousin comes, who's literally two months older than her, who's a boy, he'll come. He won't ha- show any interest, and I'll be like, "Eileen, are you sharing your toys?" She'll be like, "Papa, I, why would I share my toys with him? He's a boy. He doesn't play with dolls. He has to play with. The, he has to go play soccer or something." And see, I never sat there and said, "Hey, Eileen, make sure you don't share your toys with Andre. He has to play with the soccer ball." This is a four-year-old critically thinking, knowing that okay, this is for boys. And this is for girls. And the same thing goes vice versa. But society teaches you that. They teach Who's, you like this beautiful pink doll is for you. Correct. Even in the commercials, they, that's how they advertise it. But there are parents and there are guardians and there are individuals that, you know, they'll be like, hey, listen, you're a boy, but you can be a girl. Here, wear this skirt. It's okay. It's one thing if you encourage that. It's, that's what's happening. My, my brother was at a park. He ran into that. <laughs> you know what? He... 
he approached a dad to introduce his daughters to so they can play because he figured they go to the same school to make friends. And then the dad goes, um, yeah, that's my son, but he's a girl now. And my brother goes, oh, okay. He's like, come on, bro, it's 2022, get with it. That's what he tells my brother. Like, it's 2022, get with the program. And my brother's just kind of like, okay, well, you know. We're not part of that program. That's your <laughs> <laughs> Let me change the channel. Hey, he's not gonna. You're not gonna tell your kids don't. My none of our kids, and I think about this every time we go out. My my kids have never ever asked me, like Dad, why does or Mom, why does that person a different color or different this or that? They, they yeah. obviously will never ask that because question. Because they they don't see it that way. Exactly. They just see if somebody so is kind. They see if somebody is kind to them, how they treat them, how they make them feel. They don't really see if somebody you know looks Absolutely. a certain way. If they're too tall, if they're too, they're not going to judge see, them. See, my daughter, sense. my daughter, and that's came, what's beautiful about kids. I know they're so innocent. My daughter came home the other day, and she was like, "Papa, hola, te amo." Oh. And I was like, "Where the where, where the <laughs> hell did you learn that?" And she goes. There's a girl in our class. Her name is Abril, and she doesn't speak English. She speaks Spanish. I go, mm. and what happened? She goes, oh, it was her birthday, and she kept saying, te amo, te amo, te amo. And I, and I asked her what it means, but she couldn't tell me what it means, so the teacher told me. And I now I, I'm coming to say it to you. That's sweet. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Like, see, I'm like, this is, this is the most innocent, purest yeah. so, thing in the world. And exactly. It, but imagine if you had an inkling that god forbid one of her teachers was thinking well it's perfectly fine to touch you know so-and-so five-year-old because map i'm a map i'm a minor attracted person what would you do oh they'd have to learn how to write with their left hand just with their left hand (laughs) no we try to maintain our kids innocence in every sense of the word word you know we want our babies and our kids to not see the problems of the world and we try to shield them from all of the harm that can come their way for as long as we possibly can it's not even shielding it's not even shielding listen you went to school here right Mm -hmm. you went to school here we all went to school here there was certain times in school middle school and high school where we were in certain classes as far as health classes sex ed classes where you know, our bodies were changing. And I think it's we were appropriate going appropriate to... to teach that at that age. Absolutely right. Now, if you want to incorporate other things in there, it's like, no, it's like go based off of what they've been teaching to these kids for years, where it's like just your basic. Well, trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. We'll have to ha- we'll have to dissect this with Armand Arachanian if he ever shows up. On He's there. not going to show. He's not going to show up. You got to go watch that one episode we had with uh, Ray Raymond. Okay. He's a teacher at yeah. Glendale at in in Glendale yeah. and he brought and that's the on as far as on Spotify and iTunes and stuff that's one of the video podcasts we have to actually put up where it's a video podcast as well. Um he brings in information, criteria, photos of what they're planning on, you know, teaching our kids where it's not only like it's misinformation, but it's stuff that will traumatize these kids for life, and that's what we don't want. It's like of leave, leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Of course you don't. Let them, let them be. And it's our responsibility to protect them as much as we can. That's what. That's the whole point of you yeah. know being a parent. But when you have these 
these children and, and they become independent, no matter how much we want for them to think a certain way, be a certain way, they still grow up with their own opinions and um, free will. Of course and they so do. they're going to learn from yeah. mistakes. They're going to learn from doing it. There's only so much we can help them just with our words. Like they're going to want to experience some of these things. I yeah, know but, I had to. I you, was a rebellious teenager. Yeah, but you want to make sure as far as when it comes to certain guidance, certain advice, they come to you. Yeah. See, like what you were mentioning as far as, you know, with your ex-husband, you guys are doing whatever you get, you guys can together mm-hmm. to raise your three beautiful kids, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you'll never talk down to your husband in front of your kids, right? And I'm hoping he doesn't do the same to you. Why? Because you guys are good people. I'm not saying, par- I'm not saying parents. I'm saying people, as in like individuals, as a person yourself. Because you're teaching your kids that, hey, listen, mom and dad aren't together. That's okay. But mom is still a good person. And dad is still a good person. Whereas, I mean, you've seen it on social media and everywhere where people are putting it out and about where they're, cursing at their exes and let alone putting out videos and all this other bullshit where yeah, it's you like you got to be mindful of one day your kid will see that so not only will not will see that your kid is witness to that right. and what do you think traumatically it's going to do to that individual that little child whose brain is developing because their brain is like a sponge if they're seeing abuse right. neglection all that you know, negative energy in a household or outside of a household. Imagine inside of a classroom where eight, nine hours of their day is spent there. You want to make sure that the right... Absolutely. The school environment and the classroom should be the absolute safest place for a child. Sometimes it is. Sometimes they go home to these families and they see just nightmares. And who would they turn to? And so when they can't turn to their parents, they turn to their teachers. And imagine if your teacher's a nut job. Well, you you hope not. You know, they... They go through a rigorous process of hiring these teachers, and so... You see where we're going with this? I, I would love to have a guest here from the school board who advocates for all this and says, yeah, it's perfectly fine to Ingrid have Ingrid Sean, to have we're, no, no, we're no. inviting you again. I, I, I no. would love to, because I, I truly want to understand their mentality, because here's what's going to happen. I Episode 206... You can watch it 10, 15, 20 years from now. Assuming YouTube is still on then or Spotify maybe will be on. Watch how many tens of thousands, if not in the hundreds, are going to post videos and talk about how the decisions they make, they made and their parents allowed them to go through hormone therapy at the age of 8 or 13 or 16 completely ruined their life the and now they're the important thing is you get to decide what you want to do with your children they're until they're 18 years old you know they're under your care under your supervision and your guidance but and so it's up to you stupid, it's, though, we have to be responsible it. well no, those are those are the other parents let's worry about ourselves let's worry about yeah. how we raise our kids and so that's all we can really do i'm not going to sit here and judge and, and look at everybody else's life and and their stories and their journeys i don't know it I know what I'm doing in my home every day and I can be proud of myself and I can be proud of my kids and that's all you can do. I I, I hope that's enough. I don't think that is, but I hope that's enough. Because I again I'm I'm a parent. I have only so much control over my kids. I raise them with my values and my principles, but unfortunately there's 
influence in, in school. And, uh, but there's influence everywhere with anything that they do in life, whether it's in school, whether it's a friend. You know, I, when my first when my son said the F word for the first time, I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. You know, I tried to shield him for that, from that for so long. How old was and he? And then I asked, it was last year, he was eight. And I said, where did you, that was my first question, where did you learn this from? Who was it? I well, wanted to know. Question, 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 question. <laughs> I wanted okay. to know. Okay. Could you tell us how he said it or when he said it, what happened that he said it? He just used it completely in the right context. Sickest kid. You know, he said it. And, and I was shocked. And so I thought in that moment, I'm like, if I don't react to this, he won't realize that he said something that's really bad. But I'm like, but this is, if this becomes a habit, I, I need to address it. So in that moment, I'm like, okay, I can either ignore this, that he just said the F word, or I, I have a conversation and I chose to have the conversation and let him know that. Don't say it. That's a potty word. We, mm -hmm. we don't say that word. And then he's like, well, I've heard grown-ups say it and so then and now that he's heard it more and around grown, I'm like well grown-ups say things that kids shouldn't say yet when they're still younger see i'm always curious where they hear it where they right hear it. like see my daughter heard me say my no, my daughter has me on check as far as with my vocabulary now <laughs> like the like i armin knows the story but i was on the phone with the client i hung up i'm like stupid shit yeah you've got to be careful yeah and she literally she, and, and mind you she's playing She's in her own freaking yeah. world over there in the other side of the room. And I hung up her stupid shit. She goes, and while she's, she's not looking at me. She's still playing. She goes, Daddy. I'm like, yeah. You're making poor choices with your words. <laughs> so it's I'm the like, same when we're criticizing ourselves in front of our kids. So let's say I'm putting on an outfit and, and I'm talking to myself and then, oh, this makes me look like this. Or like, I'm criticizing my body or I'm criticizing how I look. My daughter's watching me. And so that's just as bad as saying the F word. Because she's learning, like, oh, okay, so I need to be a, a to have a certain image. Yes. See, and that's another, you know, that's another big thing that we need to talk about. Really, you know, we're there's all of these other factors that are threatening, you know, our kids. But what about society and image and and what they're seeing? Yeah, like my my like standards of beauty. My wife's brother is on the heavier side. Uh, my daughter has renamed him. You know what Kerry means, right? Uncle? Yes. Yeah. So he, she, his his name is Narek, but she she renamed him to Fat Kerry. So. What does she call me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to say. So she calls him but Fat it's Kerry. Like it's coming from a place of innocence, though. Like, yeah, of course you know? it is. So, like, she doesn't know any better. She's yeah. five. Like, I got to get used to saying five now. She's five. She doesn't know any better, but she knows that, you know, he's. A little on the heavier side, yeah. And see, like when I've said to her, I'm like, "Is is Papa fat?" She goes, mm, "Not like fat, Kerry. No, but no, no, no. You're not like." So you're okay. You passed it. So and then far, what do you man. say to her when she says that he's on the larger side? Oh, I laugh. Well, I would say that you know people come in all shapes and sizes. No, I laugh. And everybody, I, I laugh because and everybody's beautiful. See, I laugh because it's it's Kerry. I laugh because it's Uncle, but. There have been times where we've gone out and she said, oh, my God, that person is. And she'll point. She'll be like, oh, that, person that. Is, that person <laughs> is. That person is. And I, and I literally go, I go, don't, don't, don't. point. I'm like, if you got to say something. Text it to me. Tell me. Tell <laughs> Papa in his ear. And at that point, I'll be like, hey, listen, listen. You don't know this person. Yeah. Don't say that. And then they ask why. Well, why not? Don't get me started on the whys. Everything is a like. If I tell her that, listen, you can't eat this. She'll say why. I'm like because 
it's because of this reason. Well, wh- well, why is it that reason? Well, because of this reason. Well, why is it because of that reason? Like, it, it's an ongoing battle. But it's healthy and it's great. It's so I love that curiosity. That to an extent. Have. To an extent, we we get annoyed by it as parents, but it's it's part of their growth, right? And they have to come to us to ask those questions. I love it. So, w- what do you think the whole body image? issue is these days you mentioned that a few minutes ago that we need to talk about that yeah i think body the push for body positivity is another thing that's happening in our society that i think is fantastic Mm -hmm. um you know we've come a long way with our with our body image uh, specifically because our kids are watching and they're learning and they're seeing what's okay what's not okay and it's one thing if if you want to come off a certain way but just don't bash and don't put down anybody who doesn't fit your image of right. beauty or your standards of beauty. So as a woman, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion. Do you think the women of the 70s and 80s, like the Marilyn Monroe's and the... Um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's? Mm, well, let's, Marilyn let's Monroe's move, more 50s, let's come, 40s and let's 50s. Let's move a little more forward, maybe. Uh, who were the other women that were on the cover of like Sports Illustrated and all that? Uh, who were thicker compared to today's women that are on the cover of, you know, Sports Illustrated or whatever other magazine that's in right now. Which image do you think is more appropriate and attainable and healthier? Definitely the lar- the larger image is, is healthier because it, it's a better reflection of what people look like, you know. And, and I think that our society is going in that direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's no longer just being really thin. You have to be on the cover of a magazine. It's not encouraged anymore, where as it was for many, many years, for well, 20 or 20 plus. Calvin, Calvin Klein and a lot of these fashion magazines have been showing people on the heavier side saying that, hey, listen, you know, we're we're open to all of you. It's OK to be heavier and, you know, you could still pull off, you know, this underwear or this bra or these panties, whatever it is. Whereas, you know, back in the 90s, I don't think any of us saw... You, you had to be a certain yeah. figure to wear Calvin Klein right. or to wear Victoria's Secret or to wear whatever it was. Now it's not just plus-size models. Now it's everybody. Every shape and size. Look at Lizzo. Like, the confidence that she has. But is Lizzo healthy? I mean, it, it depends. You know, we should we talk to her doctor? Like, it depends. If, if she's healthy emotionally, you know, if she's in a good place and if her and her doctor have decided that, hey, everything else is fine, yeah. See, because I look at it like fat shaming, I get it. You should never fat shame anybody. It's the worst thing you can do because people are going through certain things where they're on the heavier side, they might not take it a certain way. Mm -hmm. But as far as, you know, putting out on magazines, on advertisements, on, you know, making sure you're in healthy, you're in shape, or Calvin Klein, you have to wear this, or Victoria's Secret, you have to wear that. You know, they should continue to encourage people to watch themselves as far as what they eat, what they put in their body, a healthier lifestyle. But it's the complete opposite now. It's the complete opposite. It's Now it's like you can be whatever you want. You can be unhealthy. You can eat whatever you want. You can... Be, because you know what we have. I a, don't know if they're pushing that though. Oh, Eat they whatever are. you want. No. Oh, they are. It's yeah. all about you like could, you healthy look, smoothies and you know, just have a healthy lifestyle. 
it's it's a lot healthy, more of that. Absolutely. Health, look, healthy, it's just body positivity, more body positivity. Body positivity, I get it, but it's like they're looking at it as like advertising it as far as hey, listen, you can you can be this and I'll still have, you know, a clothing size for you or what whatever it is. And I get it. That's great. But it's being pushed down our throats. Literally, it's being pushed down. It's on billboards. It's on this. It's on. It's on. It's on social media. It's 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 everywhere. Whereas, you know, instead of the classic, because the the models that were fit in shape, oh, you know what? No, 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 no. We can't have that anymore. Because, because it's an unrealistic, unattainable image that most people just don't look like. It's not real. It's not a real depiction of what life is. Because uh, because America is the most obese country in the world. We're all about sitting on our asses, stuffing our faces with food, and basically being the most unhealthy country in the world. But that's not the same thing. That's not the same as saying like we're encouraging body positivity. It, and it's a it's a very it's a it's country. a very under the table way of doing it. You you'll never see that in France. You'll never see that in Italy. You'll never see that in these fashion countries ever. But fashion is is changing, and so even the models are starting to look in America. Different. In America, not. Outside, not not in Europe. I don't know. Cor- uh, somebody I, correct me if I I'm don't, wrong. I don't think fashion is changing. I think what's changing is that now we are forced to accept everything. And as much as we think that may be cute, that we have to accept everything, but we don't have to accept anything. Of course, we, just, we have to. There's just more tolerance of of a different way of thinking that isn't the traditional route. Well, it's not. I don't know if it's about tradition, but what it leads to, for example, today a lot of business owners in every industry, they're facing a uh, uh, staffing shortage because now, especially after COVID, it's become accepted that we've allowed people to be lazy and not do anything and the government fund them and all that. So now it's... We have to accept the fact that somebody can decide not to show up to work and there's nothing me as an employer can do. So what's, what happens is slowly all these things that we're forced to accept then becomes the norm and then the norm becomes a nuisance. You mean working from home, having the uh, most no. places? No, no, no. no, 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 just, no, no, no. Just, most employers are going to accept their, their worker just not showing up. That's not okay. Well, these days it's happening in every single industry. That people corporate just, industries. Yeah, people just don't show up to work. I think they don't have the same motivation and drive that they used to. And I think that yes. they don't have the same patience to be to go to four-year colleges. And, and so now we're like, everybody wants to kind easy of have route. A, go that easier route because they see maybe these influencers and these people that are kind of just... But, but see, that's the thing. We're, we're, putting, we're putting... We're allowing... Again, everything is now becoming acceptable where... You're 300 pounds. You can be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But isn't that incredible? No, it's not. No, because I think, I think that's great. I, I think like there's opportunity for everybody. No. Whereas before, somebody who was 300 pounds couldn't even think twice, and now no, it's, there it are doesn't... certain magazines that want them on. That's a beautiful so thing. Why is a 300 person, uh, 300 pound person on Sports Illustrated? What did they accomplish? Well, why is it not okay? Because a is sports... it because it's not beautiful? No, no, no. Because no, no, no. Sports Illustrated, you're illustrating a sport. What sport are you good at at 300 pounds? But are the models who are on the cover, are they in participating in sports? Or are they just um, an image of beauty? No, it's th- a- athletics. It's athletics. Are, That's... They, are they athletes? 
Well, that's the thing. Aren't it's majority more, of them athletes? Well, yeah. as far as sports, 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 sports Illustrated, they yes. Used to be, yeah. You you were you were some sort of athlete. You accomplished something. The mo- the models on the cover are on the athletes. covers. Of course, of course. Whereas unless it's a sumo wrestler, then that's different. Sumo wrestler is different. But hey, I'll tell you this much: a sumo wrestler, sumo wrestler's cardio is probably much much better than either one of ours yeah. combined. They're I was part- thinking of the the Sports Illustrated issue when they have the swimsuit issue. That's what I was thinking about specifically when they put the swimsuit. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if the swimsuit is just is that models or just yeah, that's what I mean by like athletes models. as well. I, that I'm it's not, both. It's I'm both. Sure. I've seen. I've seen. Uh, like I, I remember Ariane Celeste, who was a uh, UFC cover, UFC ring girl. She right. was on the cover of that. Uh, who else was on there? Um, the goalie for the United States national okay, soccer well, team. She was on there. Athletics. So yeah, it's, it, no, mostly it's, it's models and it's athletes. Like yeah. if you're a female, if you're a female athlete and you've got the figure for it, yeah. If you're 300 pounds, you're on the cover of Forbes. I'm perfectly fine with it because Forbes is not about sports. It's not about that's not your accomplishment. Your accomplishment on the cover of Forbes is what you built, the company, uh, service, something you did. Then I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, and. This is me speaking as a heavy guy. It's not me as a uh, weekend model speaking. But what I'm going back to is the message that our kids are getting is one that everybody is beautiful. And so they're receiving a different message than you are, whereas you're like, well, you know, the standard of beauty is different. And so that's not as appealing to me. You know, you're encouraging um, Unhealth, an unhealthy lifestyle, whereas our kids don't see it that way. No, everybody is beautiful, but there are certain... Here's the thing. But if our parents, if, if my daughter is seeing a model who is 95 pounds on the cover of a magazine and she looks at it, her first thought is, is like, oh, I'm I'm too big, you know? And, and so she's going to be criticizing herself and looking at herself in the mirror. My daughter's already done that a few times, and I'm... I'm constantly pushing the body positivity, but they just, they get that from their friends, from their environment, from the shows that they watch, you know, it's. I get it. But again, it goes back to whether it's 300 pounds or 90 pounds. You talk to your kids as far as making sure they take care of themselves as far as their body, watching what they eat. Because look, I have, I've had friends where, you know, they've had kids and these poor kids, man, they pick him up from school, and he's like seven, eight years old, and he's eating a superstar combo or a jack and uh, jack in the box combo, you know. And I and I look at him and I'd be like, "Bro, what the fuck you doing, man? What are you what are you what are you feeding this kid?" He goes, "Bro, I don't I don't have time. Like, you know, I'm I'm working. I, let him, it's okay. He, he'll he'll be fine. You know." And, and the other problem with that is kids are picky eaters. So when they start eating stuff like that, that's all they eat. That's all they're going to want to eat. And and I'm not. And then mind you, this isn't like a one or two day thing. This is like five days a week. This kid is eating junk food, and then a couple of years passes, and all of a sudden, no, this person adds you on social media. You go, oh, you know, I haven't seen you in a minute. How's everything? He goes, oh, you know, everything's good. And then you go streaming through their page. You know, you're swiping up checking out you know what's going on and all of a sudden you see you know his daughter or his son and they're like no that's that's different you know you want to encourage them to be healthy of course health is number one i know but see it's getting to the point where you know that kid is unhealthy because of the parents because of their certain choices obviously when they get to when they become an adult they make the choices for themselves they turn themselves into whoever they are or the parents turn them into whatever they are but 
you can change yourself. But instead of saying, hey, listen, change yourself, you can become this person. It's more of a, oh, well, you know, it's 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 uh it's bad if you fat shame them and do you know uh tell them that they're they're this they're that and again i'm not saying you know basically you know talk down to them it's give them another avenue as far as hey listen this is what we can do to get you healthier this is what we can do to help you there's instagram videos and snapchat videos where you see people that are overweight and they go through this like incredible journey where they start working out, eating healthy, and they take care. And you watch and you go, holy shit, this is amazing. See, that's what should be out on social media and on billboards instead of the opposite. As abiding says they're glorifying mediocrity and bashing, striving to be better. See, I don't think the whole 110-pound bulimic models were at all attractive. They shouldn't be on the covers of anything. That's, a, that's another form yeah, of... It, uh, it, everything should be in proportion to height and all that. If you're 5'8", you shouldn't be 98 pounds. But see, this is your opinion, and you have a different different opinion, and everybody's it, got their own opinion. That's not an opinion, it, it, though. It's it's not an opinion when... Body when mass you, when you is un- not an opinion. When you read about these models 10 years later, they all admit to being bulimic. But and that's not an opinion. a person shouldn't be doing no. this, and someone who weighs 110 you know, pounds Bec- shouldn't, because be- that's not appealing because, to you. No, no, because... No, no, because then... And I agree with that. At that point, I agree with you, where... That shouldn't be on the cover of magazine because that's, in a sense, it's it's giving women false exactly uh, false identity that this is what I need to look like to be beautiful, and I I say the same thing about a two hundred fifty three hundred pound woman. There needs to be a healthy medium, and it's okay to talk about it. Unlike, for example, we have Lily Two saying men shouldn't even talk about women's bodies. Well, most men sleep sleep with a woman's body next to them, so we do have the right to talk about it. Um, it's not, <laughs> I mean, to I say feel like we you have a right to say what your preference is, but for, for our, what we do with our bodies and how we feel about ourselves, I don't think you guys can speak on that. You know, it, it's, yeah, but we're the one, how many women buy sports illustrated? I mean, the, I don't who's, know those who's, statistics. Who's I don't know those statistics. Yeah, I'm sure they do, but Lily, who's buying sports illustrated? Women or but men? But this isn't just an issue of Sports Illustrated. Or this is an issue of, of body image altogether. And this is something that women and young girls struggle with. And so if we encourage them to love who they are, how they are, mm-hmm. that's only going to help them mentally and emotionally well, as they grow up. Yeah, emotionally, you have to, especially with your significant other, emotionally, you have to be there for them. Because see, like, when my wife was pregnant with both of our kids, like, you know, obviously, a woman's body changes. They go through, you know, they're, they're carrying another human being inside of them. But every time I would see my wife, the first thing I would say is, babe, you look great. You look beautiful. You're glowing. You know, every, every, you look you look amazing. What a guy. You have to say, you have, and she did. And what as, would as she a, say in return? And she would say, no, I look like a cow. I'd be like, no, well, don't that's... say that. I'm like, <laughs> why are you saying that? She goes, because look at me. She, look at me. Look at me. I'm like, it's a you, big I'm like, change. I'm like, you look beautiful. It's, you look great. It's the change. Yeah. It's, and then it's see, your body is transforming. <laughs> and it is a beautiful change. But when it's happening to you, yeah. 
uh, you know, you don't always feel that way. And so good for you for being that supportive partner Correct. and telling her that because Exa that makes all the difference. It, it does make a difference. And that's what that's how society has to be. See, and then when my wife that's has exactly what I'm saying, that's how society has to be. They have to be encouraging and uplifting yes. and positive. See, what you guys are saying is, well, we have to fit in this box and they have to. No, it's about being healthy. It's about taking care of yourself, yeah. taking care of your body. Yes. See, like when my wife had the kids and see, look, I'm not the most healthiest person either. I, I try to cycle every single day. I try to take care of myself as far as what I put in my but body. Body positivity and health are like two different They're things. They're linked together. Because if you are, if you lead a healthy lifestyle, you are going to You're going to have a, a good, certain, you're going to certain yes. figure, a certain body type. But here's the thing. It's like, if you are this way and you've been this way your whole life or most of your life, or maybe you have a slow working metabolism, does that mean that you should feel less than it's not about feeling Absolutely less not. than see this is this goes back to what i was saying as far as that kid right that kid was raised a certain way that kid was raised on mcdonald's jack in the box carl's jr right that's what that kid was raised on that kid doesn't know any better right so when that kid grows up and they're able to purchase their own food what are they going to purchase mcdonald's jack in the box and carl's jr but i don't think body positivity is encouraging you to eat junk food is it those are two those are not the same thing at all it's just saying love yourself for who you are, what you are, all of it. Correct. But you have to love your. Here's the thing. You don't love yourself only on a physical standpoint. You have to love yourself on an emotional standpoint, on a health standpoint, on a mental standpoint. If you're mentally not healthy, Absolutely. if you're, 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 you're lost. Yeah. But if I weigh, you know, whatever I weigh and I'm on the heavier side and I eat healthy every single day and I'm not seeing a change. You, you, you. You have to find some sort of avenue to help yourself because look, this isn't about what, help myself in what way. If I'm healthy, I'm eating all the right things, but I happen to weigh a number that's outside of the average. Am I still healthy? If you're hold on, if you go give blood work and your doctor says you have fatty liver, you have cholesterol, you're pre-diabetic, that's but, not being healthy. But if he doesn't, that's a different. How you're the health? You're you're in the health industry. You would know better than I would. About what? As far as somebody who's a little bit on the heavier side? A little bit on the heavier side doesn't matter because there's a lot of skinny people who have high blood pressure, That's high exactly cholesterol, high, high LCDs and all that That's stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm not but talking about high, a high uh, not LCDs. Yeah. <laughs> L2D? Uh, L no, no, no. Low HDLs and high LD. No, no. I'm not, I'm, not I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about basically people who are, who don't eat the healthiest foods, who are a little bit on... Again, it's like Nona said, every everybody metabolizes things differently. You may eat cake every day and still be relatively healthy, whereas if I eat cake one well, time, yeah, it could... So, yeah, but obviously eating cake or you know processed foods and all that junk that we know is bad, is, is bad. But what she's saying is if, if she eats healthy, she weighs a normal weight. Again, don't follow the BMI. The BMI is bullshit. No, no, no. Forget the you BMI. Know. I'm talking about more the, blood the work. The BMI says a 5'10 guy needs to weigh 160 No, no, no. no, no. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. I'm talking about more when you go when you go give blood work. Right. And your blood if work. If your blood work is normal. That's fine. And if you're overweight, then you're healthy. Then you're healthy that's fine. Right? Uh, because, again, overweight is... if They go off... Every, every doctor goes off of the BMI, which is not accurate. But... I, Every I, doctor goes off of BMI. Of course, that's mm. what they base everything on. That's that's what they studied is the BMI, right? Body, ma uh, Body mass rate index. Uh, index. So, um, but I I don't know. I, my my whole point is that there, people should be re not you know this goes back to ninth place ribbon and everybody gets a ribbon and a trophy. 
Uh, I don't think Arno or myself should be on the cover of Bodybuilding Magazine. No. Um, because we don't go to the gym. We don't bodybuild. So we don't deserve to be on the cover of Bodybuild Magazine. Just I mean, like if we're speaking specifically to Sports Illustrated, I completely well, understand where you're coming from. But yeah, if it's, if just, it's a if it's if a seeing billboards, random billboards of, you know, Calvin Klein's and I see somebody with my similar body style, if my body style happens to be a certain way, I would want to buy those jeans. Th- I'd that's say, different. oh, my gosh, that's, that's great. marketing. I understand that. Yeah, they have to. Obviously, there's a big and tall store, right? Some people are tall. Some people are big. So that's perfectly fine. But. But, but I'm going beyond the marketing. I just feel like it, it's more inclusive of my body style. Let's yeah. say I'm a child and I'm seeing, you know, really thin women everywhere in all the f- pictures, all of the billboards, and I don't look like that. And so that's going to make me feel a certain way. It's going to make me feel insecure, and I wouldn't want that for my child. No, no. I the, want her the, to feel confident. I want her to feel good about herself. And so the, the of way course that you we, do that is by telling them that they look great. Yeah, but just like you're telling your wife that she looked great. No, no, no. Of course. I yeah, but that. you still have to look. If my, if my, if I noticed, let's say my kid was gaining more weight than he should, I would encourage him to start playing sports more, do something more. It's not. A, I'm not going to. I'm positive. not going to body yeah. shame him. Right. I'm not going to, you know, break his spirit, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna change something in him because. He's not old enough to understand the repercussions of that long term. And that's where I was going with this. Uh, because it's it's those childhood years mm-hmm. has a long term effect because that's kind of what builds that inner infrastructure. Yeah, some a lot of people after the age of thirty or forty will decline in whether they'll increase in weight or decline in health a little bit and whatnot. But that, that if a kid has played sports, they will they're, they're always inclined to lose weight much quicker or, or be able to adapt to things much quicker than somebody who's never played sports, who's never been in a competitive well, environment. Sports is great because it know. teaches you how yeah. to be competitive, how to be disciplined. So it's great in so many different ways. Well, not yeah, just it keeps you in shape, but being in shape is, is you know, good for your body too. I'm not saying don't be in shape and be out of shape. I'm saying if, if you just are hard on yourself because you feel like the images that you're seeing everywhere else don't match you, that's not okay. It's not fair, and and that's a conversation that's worth having. Yeah. See, when my do- when I was taking my daughter to a doctor's appointment for her, f- I think it was a couple months ago. The one thing I was concerned about, I was like, dude, I I feel like my she's skinnier than what she's supposed to be. I feel like she's lighter than what she's supposed to be. And then when they they took her weight, they took her height. They're like, oh my goodness, you've grown this many inches since your last visit. And I was like, you know what? What about her weight? How's her weight? Oh, her weight is fine. She's actually gotten taller. So in essence, when, when I'm seeing her, I'm thinking she's losing weight. But in essence, she's actually... She's yeah, growing, she's, she's having a growth spurt. Yeah, she's have having, you gained any height? Have I gained any height? In the, la- <laughs> in the what? How many, how Since we started the show hey, listen, four years man. ago. <laughs> <laughs> no height shaming, bro. Short people are beautiful. Right, we're gonna, I know. Short people, are, short yes, people yes. are beautiful. We're going to keep this topic short, guys. <laughs> hey, cut it short. Cut it short. Hey, great things come in small packages, okay? <laughs> yes. 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 See, when see Nona and I, when we saw each other, there was this bond. Who? There was this connection. Oh, Nona. Yeah. 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 See, there was this bond. There was this connection we made. What was, what was made. that bond exactly? It was, just, it, was, it was very... You guys were both at eye level? To each it, was, it, was, it was this stature kind of bond <laughs> where, you know, you just, you just knew right away. You were like, yeah, I, yeah. I know. 
I know. You're one of our own. Yeah. The See, little people. Now I'm going to offend all the short people. Shorik says, yeah, short people are beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Short, tall. I, I never said Short, there. tall, and everything in between. Yeah. See, that's something I can't change unless I go break what? my shins and put some it's plates in there. It. You're going to look yeah, out of proportion. Yeah, it's my not, arms are going to yeah. look short. My legs are. The important thing is to be proportion. It doesn't matter what's. I mean, yeah. if everything is in proportion, good. Great. Yeah. See, uh, as far as far <laughs> look, as far as height is concerned, I can't change anything. Yeah. I'm going to stay 5'6 on a good day for the rest of my life. It, it, yeah. it is what it is. But as far as my gut health, my belly health, take my mental health. Those are things I could take care of. Those are things I take care of on a daily basis. Why? Those because are things are incredible that are very important to take care of, especially mental health. Of course, but there are people that don't care about that stuff, which is sad. It's sad. You can buy those two, three inch heel ups. You put in the tennis shoes. No, I'm serious, and it doesn't really show from the outside. Fuck yourself. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> So you're being, a, we have a lady here, and you're being inappropriate. I said, that's why. I hey, I, I put those in my shoes all the time. It, do you? It, it says help. She's wearing them right now. I, wear, I have heels on the outside, and then on the inside, there's like some padded soles. I mean, it's fine. So when you wear sneakers, you put the padded inside. Sometimes, yeah. Fred, how many inches of heels do you wear? Since you re- since you suggested the uh, the heels, just wear some heels. Does Fred wear heels for a living? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Fred! Come I don't on, know. Man. He was doing. He was. At the fashion show yesterday, doing some. Did you? You guys should have seen him do the his, red bottoms. His runway. He was doing a runway, right? He did the runway, and he owned it like nobody's business. He did, did he flick job. his hair back as well? I don't yeah. remember, yeah. but he, he he had some moves on him. We got we, we gotta have Fred back on the show again, just to kind of <laughs> shoot well, the shit as with soon, him. As, as soon as he has a new batch of whiskey, then we can have him back. Oh, on. hopefully, man. <laughs> I what happened, Fred? Yeah, let's just see, Fred. Let us know what's happening with that whiskey as well. What else are we gonna talk about? What else, Nona? I mean, I'm here, you guys. What's, you tell us. Is there anything else you want to cover? Oh, well, I really wanted to to talk about these incredible business partnerships that I have. So I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. Plug them in. To, to talk about Vesby. You guys, you got to get on this thing and download it now because it's going to be the next big thing. You know, it, and That's how so cool would it be if we all joined yeah. Instagram at the beginning of Instagram before everybody else was on? If you were one of the first YouTubers, how cool would it be? Um, you know, to oh, yeah. how many followers would you have then? Not that that matters, but to grow with it is, I think, part of the exciting part. So yeah. this is the time to grow with it, and it's at, you know, it's completely free. The whole point is for more people to utilize the service and to use it. Yeah, and I looked it up on the App Store. It's available. It's V E Z, right? With the Z. I B I Super app. So yeah. super app. Yeah. So I mean, here's the thing, guys. Are they going to promise not to ban us if we get on Vesby? Oh, man. That was one of the things that they said. They're like, hey. Freedom of speech, First Amendment. We'll, we'll try it out. We'll see if it, it works with our streaming service, <laughs> and we'll plug it into there as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, hey, download it. Try it out. If it's not for you, um, you know, yeah. You simply There's as- a learning curve, I have to say. There's a little bit of a learning curve because it's different. When you, when you log in, you're going to see all of these different um, uh, places where you could uh, look up. So you can look up businesses and you can do vlogs. And so everything is all encompassing and all in one. And in the beginning, you're like, oh, well, I don't know where to begin. Is it overwhelming? And, and so it can be. But when you play with it a little bit, um, it's really you realize, oh, my God, how could I have not had it all these years? It's so helpful. You know, yeah. you get your evites, you know, you could make yourself a, a to do list and all and share it with people. So it's it's really easy and accessible. Um, and the more people use it, the easier um you know, the, the easier it's going to be for a lot of the businesses that have downloaded it because now you can share it with your customers. You can send push notifications. Um, and crowdsourcing is one of the things that 
businesses could take advantage crowdsourcing of. Crowdsourcing is... So you would be able to share clients and customers with other businesses. So you'd be able to send notifications from a restaurant that's next door to try to encourage them to come to your business. Oh, you see, that's mm. it's like networking. Totally, <coughs> networking. So it's all cool stuff, and I feel like that happened to me at the Taylor end of of my relationships through this show that I was um, that I was producing and hosting on Instagram. So this was in the middle of the pandemic. Every Tuesday, I would go live at twelve o'clock and talk to businesses. Is that coming back? Louisa was asking if you're bringing that back. You know, the thing is, less. I love I love Louisa. She's one of my dear friends. Uh, we actually met on the red carpet, and so it was like this instant connection. I'm like, because she's also Armenian, and like we have such a similar background and upbringing. I was like, where have you been all my life? So she's one of my best friends. But with the show, it, because everything is open now, we're not stuck at home on our phones. Less people are doing Instagram lives. Less people are watching. And so because there's less demand, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to bring it back. But if people want it back, I'll bring it back. Okay. Ultimately, the goal is just to support the business. And in the beginning, it was just Armenian-owned small businesses, and I opened it up to all small businesses just because I'm like, well, everybody should be in on it. You of know, course, everybody was struggling at the time. It's like everybody it's, was. It's struggling. like you know what? Um, if you're not Armenian, but you know you got a family to feed, why not jump on jump on board and let's let's help you as well. You guys, yeah, you should start like an Armenian Shark Tank or something. You know, I went. <laughs> So I went and interviewed um, the the guys of the Shark Tank, the all of the uh, judges from you the did? Shark Tank. I did a couple really? of, of weeks ago. So it was me and another reporter, and we tag teamed. I watched every episode of Shark it's Tank. It's so, so inspiring. Wait, so you've they met Cuban and everybody. Basically. Everybody. I met all of them, and um, I interviewed uh, Mr. Wonderful. Oh. And you know they were they're just so inspiring and encouraging. And when you see that. You know, you realize that they are normal people. It, it's attainable. You can be successful if you just continue working hard at your craft, doing what you're doing. You know, don't listen to the doubters. Um, just stay confident. Believe in yourself. Continue doing what you're doing and push through the times. You know, if anyone, if I can get through what I went through and, and come out of the other side, then I think anybody can. I love Mr. Wonderful, especially after his <laughs> AOC sweater rant. <laughs> That was one of the that was one of the greatest videos he ever put out. Yeah, have you seen that one? Yeah, of uh, I love that man. I love that man. No, Shark Shark Tank is honestly probably the best family show out there. It's these great, days. and they're going to be in front of a live audience uh, this season, so it's different. Well, it, it's not the whole season. It was just one episode, I think. That they did the yeah the live audience. They it was the first episode, okay. but I've watched the other, the second and third, and I'm actually supposed to watch the fourth. Maybe later tonight because it was on Friday. So you actually sit down and watch season? every single really? one. I've watched hundred and however many episodes. Do you remember yeah. who your favorite um, business owner was, or, or or the ones that came up in front of the sharks? No, but the ones I I remember that did really well was like the uh, the uh, what was it something Scrub Daddy did tremendous. I think they're close to billion dollars. You know, Ring was on there. Neither one of them invested in Ring. Wow, really? And then Ring went and. Amazon bought them out. Yeah. But Ring was there before it yeah. was Ring. Ring. Ring got bought out by Amazon and then Nest got bought out by Google. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's, I mean, there's been too many to name. I've always looked, I think there was maybe once an Armenian business owner that came on from, uh, I think they were from Venice. 
but I haven't seen any Armenians on the show. I feel like more should be on there. I, I know so many. L- Lilith, the, the Squatty Potty was on there. Yes. Yeah, the Squatty Potty was on there. Greatest uh-huh. invention of all time. Really? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. I can't live without one. You know what the Squatty Potty is, right? No. No? Okay. Why don't you demonstrate? Is it <laughs> is it like what I'm thinking is like the bodet the bodet thing that they have in Europe? Is it something like no, that? No, no, no. Okay, the squatty, po- no. okay, squatty potty was on Shark Tank. I invested in it. I've had it for years. To be honest with you, when we were renovating our house, I was telling my wife, I'm like, should we put one in the guest bathroom? I think it's kind of polite to put one in the guest bathroom because, you know, somebody might use it. She was like, we're not putting one in the guest bathroom. Does but it come with, like, instructions? Like, oh, no, no. It's, it's the most... It's, 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 it's stupid use. proof. Yeah. Oh. So basically what it is I is... I mean, he uses it. Yeah, so. I use it. So it's, 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 it's as stupid proof for me as anybody else. So <laughs> let me put it this way. Uh, it's a U-shaped st- uh, stool that you could stand on, right? But you don't stand on it. You put the U-shape right in front of your toilet. You stand on it. You stand up on it. You stand up on it. It's for then, short people, then. Yeah, it's for short <laughs> people. Yeah, it's for. Because <laughs> you're explaining it yeah. like it's so, for short and then, people. And then you, when you sit down, your feet are up. So you're squatting, right? That's not no, comfortable. Not I'm your not feet. Your knees are higher than their Yeah, your support. knees yeah. are higher than. No, I don't know. It Listen, sounds intimidating. The, when, okay, hold, hold on. <laughs> the human body was made in a way. When you go to the bathroom, and you, I'm sorry, I'm Are talking about this. Are these the topics we're talking about? Yes, I'm sorry we're talking that. about this, but listen. So when you go to the bathroom, when you have a bowel movement, the human body is made in a way where you're supposed no, to I squat. No, and no, I've, I've seen it. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen it before, but. It changes your life. Or you can stand up to pee, right? I don't know. Is that how it works too or no? Huh? Do you stand up to pee? Or no, I sit down when I pee. Or you sit down Every to pee. time, yeah. It's better for your prostate. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm serious about that. Thing. I'm pretty serious? Yeah. When you, if you pee sitting down, it's better for your prostate. Welcome to the Wise Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Inve- are great. If you go on Amazon, you can order. Uh, you can own one for $19.99. And that's like it makes Sorry. your feet numb. No, it doesn't make your feet numb. You know what makes your feet numb? When you're on your phone and, and your elbows are on your knees and it stops the blood circulation to your feet. That's what yes. makes your feet after numb. forty-five minutes of, of looking, sitting. Of course, yeah. You're have after looking forty-five feet. minutes of looking at wise nuts memes, that's what happens. Yeah. You can also develop hemorrhoids and other rectal. <laughs> issues. There's all kinds of dangers. There's all kinds of dangers in the world. You know, you just got to be prepared. Do you have a favorite guest that you that I've ever interviewed? No. Well, we'll get to the interview too. But I no. was referring to Shark Tank. Um, I, I would say Cuban, just because. No, 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 guest. Cuba, you like Cuban as a judge? Oh, yeah, yeah, as a judge. Why? Why do you like Cuban? Uh, I just, um, all of their attitudes are more or less the same. Yeah. But I feel like with him, he's just kind of all over in terms of the things that he's done. And um, the fact that, you know, he, he owns the Mavericks and he's doing all of these different things. And I, I, I just think that makes him kind of more of a renaissance kind of a guy, which yeah. I think is really cool. Um, I'm not remembering. Well, he has more money than all of them combined, right? Well, good for him. A few you times know, over. Good for him. That too. All of them are really inspiring. One well, of the things, billion. one of the one of the things that they all had in common uh, when we interviewed them is all of them said the same thing. They said, "I don't have any regrets about investments that I've made in the past or anything that I did in my life that didn't turn out well. I don't have any regrets well, at you all." You can't. You can't have regrets because it's a learning process. I wonder and, how many of them are positive. I know Cuban's negative. As far as on his Shark investments, Tank? yeah, I, wow. I don't, I don't remember if uh, Robert and 
Kevin and you know Lori and all those people if they're positive or maybe Lori's positive. I don't know about the rest. Interesting. But I was surprised to hear that, you know, because I would think somebody who is just such an entrepreneur who's done all of these things that had all of these experiences and opportunities would literally not look back and think, I wish I didn't do this differently. I wish I didn't invest here. You can't. You can't. And that's encouraging. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't look back and say, I shouldn't have. Because yeah. what you did and, you know, when they say, when you fall off your horse, what do you do? You dust yourself off and you get back right on. You Absolutely. get right back on. It's the same thing with investing your money as well. Yeah. You know, if some investments go sour, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's a learning process. But some people don't recover from it. They beat themselves up over it. They get so upset that they just feel completely discouraged. You gotta, you gotta, you have to, uh, you have to calculate everything in a way where. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. That's 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 one thing I've learned as well. Where uh, anytime we've done any sort of flip project or new construction plot project, mm-hmm. I've always calculated reserves. I've always calculated uh, rainy day funds, and I've always yeah. calculated, you know, percentage wise. Because for me, it's more of like, hey, listen, I'll give you X amount of dollars, but I won't take you know a full percent back as far or or full percentage uh, back on my investment because I'm not risking as much for the reward. It's all about risk and reward. The more you risk, the more your reward is. Yeah. Or vice versa. The more you risk, the How more you How much are risk. you willing to risk? Again, it comes back down to your return. Your return, <laughs> also um, what you have available. A lot of people look at... See, the, the problem is, is a lot of people, when they when it comes to investing... They think whatever you have in your bank account is what you're going to invest. No, it's not it. You have to make sure you have reserves. Again, like I said, rainy day funds, emergency funds. Uh, that's how you have to calculate how you invest in whatever you're investing in, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in stocks, whether it's in uh, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I tell you, you're not a financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, but that's so common sense. Then why are you giving all this advice? Financial it's common advice. sense. It's common sense advice, guys, not financial advice. Common sense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go, go take all your money and go dump it into Bitcoin. <laughs> but everything is common sense. Well, that, that's something a lot of people don't have. It's not as common as you, know, as you think it like is. By think. the way, the idea for this show that I call Dollars and Cents came from a show that I produced that was called Common Sense for the city of Torrance. When, we, when I moved here, uh, I was lucky enough to get a gig in Torrance, so I would drive an hour and a half to host and produce this show that I would also edit. But I would go, I'd say once a week, mm. once a week mm-hmm. to be actually there in studio. And it was so amazing, so rewarding. And that's when the idea and the concept of supporting businesses came from because I was there like small business girl. Yeah. I would go out there and interview the local businesses, specifically in the city of Torrance, and then put a 30-minute show together. And then COVID happened. That was another thing that went out the window. So like, I had my show... My job in Torrance, pretty much, they were like, well, you know, we don't have we're space not be able, for you. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to have time for this show, so we can't do it. We're going to have to put that on the back burner. There were no events, no red carpets. Everything was at a standstill. I just had this baby. It was like, you can imagine but everything see, all How much stronger did you get as a person because of all this? I say it was my rebirth. There you go. Do you know how do you, just that, what you just said, that little phrase, that my rebirth, you know how powerful that is for some people? Because a lot of people, they look at it like, oh, my God, it was so bad. Everything was terrible. 
but you look at it the opposite way. It's a rebirth. It made you a, a stronger person. It was a reminder that you can't plan everything in life, and you really don't know what's going to happen the next day. Yeah. Absolutely, it's and again, I was. That's what I was discussing with, because today I was sitting, when I was talking to the ninety-one-year-old, and I, I tend to think about this sometimes when I have these conversations with these super old people, is I wonder when I'm that age, if I get to that age, who's going to be around? When you get to that age. Well, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's of course we think when, but depending how healthy you, we are, you have to think about yeah. the, the realities of as far as. Like, what condition you're going to be in? Who's going to be around? Is anybody going to visit you? Are, you? are your kids going to visit? Are your grandkids going to visit? Are your great grand? Because a lot of these people don't have as many visitors as they'd want or they'd like. Yeah. Um, and the other gentleman that I was speaking to who's now looking into doing something for his wife, the one that lives separately, is you think about, he was like, I never expected this. I wasn't prepared for this. Like, and now I'm thinking... What if this happens to me? And I, 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 I get dementia. Who's going to care for me? What am I supposed to do? And then they have no kids, huh? Yeah, it's you know th- when you deal with this topic on a day-to-day basis, sometimes you can't help but think. You know, we don't have control over as many things as we think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we can plan it, and we can have certain whatever insurances and so on and so forth in place, trusts and wills and all this other bells and whistles. But ultimately, there are certain things we don't have control over. Yeah. And and, and sometimes it, it hits me, and I'm sitting there thinking, shit, man, like, I'm 42. You know, I'm, let's say another 42, I'm 84. That's, <laughs> I could, <laughs> that could be me sitting here. Sitting 84. there, yeah. <laughs> See, I had, I had this one client. He was in his late 80s, and he had a house in, in uh, North Hollywood. We were selling it, and... Let's call him Chuck. I'm not going to say his name, but I was like, Chuck, uh, so, you know, your funds are coming in. Uh, what's the plan? He goes, I'm, I'm going to ride off in the sunset. I'm going to move to Santa Monica and live by the <laughs> beach. And I'm like, what about, like, the wife and the kids and all that? He goes, oh, I'm not married. I'm like, what about any kids or kids that you know of? He goes, no, 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 no. Just, just me, myself, and just I. Just me, myself, and I. And I go, Chuck, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but, I mean, God forbid, like, something happens to you. I mean, friends, family, anybody goes, no, no, everybody's uh, either in Ireland, in Poland, or uh, back east. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but, like, nothing, like, nobody nearby? He goes, he goes, you know what, Arno? He goes, there's one thing I learned in life, and it's live it day by day, and once you get to my age, whatever happens, happens. And I'm like... Wow! I'm like, so like, no, no will. Shooting the wind. I'm like, like, I'm like, no will, no trust, nothing. He goes, you want to be on my trust? And I'm like, hey, listen. I'm like, listen, Chuck. I was about to say his name. I was like, listen, Chuck. I was like, listen, Chuck. You're like, with the figures that you're getting, I'm like, I'd love to be on it, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I should. And like, he was this character. He was, he was actually. Oh, I shouldn't say what. I, He's waiting for a call now. Watch. No, well, no, he's no, not no. losing sleep over it, and that's the most important thing. Because no, of mentally, course. he's in a you know, emotionally, he's in a good place, and so I think that we, especially culturally, for Armenians, we stress and we worry about everything. 
we want and, and for us family is everything absolutely family yeah. family food, is everything all that stuff oh yeah. yeah food everything but i mean like we are overthinkers and we were worriers and we we worry and that comes from an internet intergenerational trauma that we have experienced absolutely but my mom you know I, I mentioned she's a small business owner herself so she has two residential care homes in the bay area and so she wanted me to kind of take over the business and do what she did and, and manage everything and i'm like mom i simply just my heart my stomach i can't do it it's a very difficult job and you're just so good at it but every time I go and visit the homes, I talk to some of the, the people, the elderly, and they're so inspiring. They're, you know, their stories. They just want to have someone to sit there and to talk to them because a lot of them don't have families yeah, yeah. Um, or their kids are just far away. But it was funny. At one point, you know, my mom wanted me, when I was in college, she wanted me to be a nurse so we could open up a nursing home. And so, like, you know, we can manage that. She's like, it's great. That'll be the plan. You'll be a nurse. I'm like, all right. So my first major before, you know, broadcast journalism was nursing and it was hilarious because i i just couldn't i couldn't do it i'm not that science math person i'm like english and history so when i was taking these very specific health related classes like chemistry for health science majors and like anatomy for health science majors i was just so out of place it and wasn't like, for you. It was not for me and and the day that we had to dissect a cadaver which was a dead you know I mean, Mm -hmm. body essentially um they had his legs open and um you know just his face covered but most of his body was opened and everybody in the class they were really excited to see you know what the organs look like in the insides whereas me i was like oh my gosh does he have children what's his story how old was he when he died how did he die so the questions that i was asking and the questions that they were he was asking on a hollywood red carpet <laughs> <laughs> Sir, how did you die? <laughs> He's not answering. Literally. Like, so it was not a pig or a frog. It was an actual It was a person. person. It, and he was Holy covered in formaldehyde. It, it, the scent was so strong. And I realized, I'm like, I can't do this. Everyone should do what they're good at, what they're meant to do. And so that was the day I switched my major to communication. Right? And then I got on the deeds list and I graduated in, with honors. And, and so... The rest was history. The rest was history, and I did not become a nurse. So, sorry, Mom, we don't have a nurse at home. <laughs> but, like, she's so great at what she does, and so she's proud of me for, you know, what it is that I'm doing, and it's unconventional. And so it kind of goes back to encouraging our kids. You know, we instill in them what we want them to be like, the, the, the lessons and everything that were passed down to us and the value system. And then we kind of throw them out there into the scary world with all of these outside influences, and we encourage them to do their best. And sometimes they have to learn from their mistakes and do what they're naturally good at, and all we can do is encourage them and uplift them and love them. Oh, absolutely. That's why the whole theory with Armenian parents, especially you have to be a doctor or attorney, it's like, really, yeah. that's the only options there are out there? Yes. That's it? Just like, just, just, like, just like we said in our memes, Asian parents don't accept A-minuses. It's the same with Russian parents, too. Yeah, dishonor. Dishonor. Dishonor, you, you dishonor me. Since, since you do have a um, uh, background as a journalist, or you are a journalist, technically, what did you ever ask those seniors any questions about what regrets they had? Like, what was their biggest regret? Because there's a lot of articles on it um, as far as when people are in their deathbed, what their top three, top five regrets are in life. And the I'm top number one regret is always the things they didn't do. The bucket list? 
Yeah. It's always well. It's what they didn't do. Like I wanted to become a dancer, and then my mom didn't. Like it's it's stories like that. My experience has been more about, especially with men, it's that I didn't spend enough time with my family. I was working too much. Wow. Yeah. That's been. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Um, but yeah, what you said about not doing certain things like ballet or piano or, you know, getting a squatty potty. That's it's top of the list. Life changing. <laughs> Hey, listen, you know what? I should give out a squatty potty. You should. I should. I should. Yeah, you should. I should. I should. Give out. Yeah. Trying to sound like Sean Connery. You get a squatty potty. You get a squatty potty. You get a squatty potty. Yeah. No, it's good. Did you want to talk about your favorite guest? You you mentioned that earlier when I said. Well, I've got to say it's going to be Carreno because. Carreno? Yeah. Charcute. He started his company right before the war broke out. And so he's like, I, I'm starting this new brand. You know, I, I'm trying to sell people uh, cheese and, and, and charcuterie, basically something that you're going to enjoy in the company of others during a pandemic when there was a, a war in Armenia and we couldn't gather. And so I'm like, how did you maneuver to make that company so successful? And he said, because he focused it around Armenia. And so his first board was an Artsakh board, and it was stunning and beautiful, and it had the colors of Armenia. And so I just think he's such a creative genius. He's one of the most creative people I've ever met. In addition to just being the charcuterie king, he's a content creator and he's like a big TikTok star. So I'd say he's my favorite guest. Mm. Um, and so I forgot to mention that he also meant that he also added the Armenian colors in there too. There's the, um, there's the red, the red, there's the blue. And obviously there's a, and you could call it orange, you could orange. call it Zidanagui, whatever you want to call go. it. It's there. Do you know what that food is? This one? Yeah. No, she mentioned that. It's golden berry, but it's it's there's a name for it in Armenian. Too. Okay, hold on. Is what there? does this taste like? Uh, you have to try it. You've never had one? Oh my god. Never had a golden This berry? is going to be a big reveal right here on camera. What is Okay, is it sweet? It's no. no it's kind of uh, it's tangy. Tangy. Yeah. You're going to love it or hate it's, it. It's great. Try it. <laughs> a first a taste test. We well, Noah loves this. Plus, we buy the uh, the dried ones. I like them. The dried ones are amazing, too. He likes them. Hold on. What, what are you trying to figure out? It has a very familiar taste. You want one, Nona? Yeah, now I want one. Now he's making me. Well, it has a very familiar taste. You know what it tastes like? Childhood. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never. This is the first time I've ever had it. But it tastes. It has this parsimon's taste to it. Really? It does. But then it has like this tangy blueberry kind of juicy taste to. It. I don't know. Like it's very weird. You could be like a judge on a food show the way you just described that. I I'm love a that. There you go. That's the, that's one of the big problems that and we you have. You haven't had a golden berry. I haven't had one of these. I've never had one of these. Now you're officially a foodie. Now you can order. This was really good. It was really, but I'm, thank tra- you, I'm still, I'm still, yeah, thank it's you. It's high in fiber, so it's going to help you with nice, the squatty, so it's like potty. squatty potty. Nice, <laughs> I don't need my squatty potty tomorrow. El, pull the squatty potty out. No, leave it alone. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I'll create, I'll, I'll make a squatty potty out of anything. I've gone to hotels. I've gone to. Is it portable? No. Like you could take it. I mean, with you there's portable. Attach it to different. The squatty potty. It's. I'll show you what it looks like after the show. Oh, it's you just, have one here. No, 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 no. No, it's like a U shape. Okay. 
You can. I'm like, it's here. You know what? You can fit it in a luggage, a large enough luggage. You can, or you could use a trash bin as a squatty potty. Let me let me pull that up for you. Squatty. By the way, Carreno said, did I pronounce that name? Yeah. His name correctly? Uh, Sports Illustrated, 70% men readers, 30% female. Oh, see, there yeah. you go. So it's not 100%. Oh, that, that's what I thought. That's what it is. That almost looks like a child's stool, though. Thank you. Thank you for that. But, like, <laughs> that, I already have one of those. I technically already have one as I put No, no, it's the just thing. a thing under the feet, not the whole toilet itself. So it's the thing under the feet. Yeah, just yeah, the yeah. thing yeah. under the feet. So you can use anything as that. You don't need you a can, private squatty but No, but I, know, yeah, but but this this I can use my this, child's stool. No, but this is made in a way where it's at a certain height, yeah. it's at a certain width, it's at a certain depth. Yeah, and you push it back yeah, under the toilet. So this it's literally not. slides right under your toilet, so it's, it practically doesn't... It looks like it's part of the toilet. And then when you got to go... Very innovative. Yeah, when you got to go, you use your big toe, you pull it forward, and you... Modern innovation. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The things that they think of, it's pretty incredible it, stuff. But it'll it'll change your life. I swear <laughs> to... I mean, change your life. Oh. I will. It's a big statement to me. It's going to change your life more than Tony Robbins. Oh Listen, man, anybody who has a squatty putty says it didn't change their life. Do you do voices? Yet. That was really good. No, no. I Really? That was like... It came from a voice actor's, <laughs> like... That's, that's good. That, that's his actual voice. Yeah, this voice this, that this you're is hearing. the one that no, I'm you've done a few already, and I'm like, you know, you could be a voice actor. The, actually, the other day, we, where were we driving? With oh, we were coming home from dinner, and my and I was showing uh, my wife the video of uh, Peter Collin, who I happened to meet about a month and a half ago at this random bar, two months ago maybe. He did the voice for Transformers and King Kong and oh, the Predator. Voice. Yeah, the guy, the guy from originally Canadian and I was showing her that video and then she's like why don't you do voiceovers I'm like you know I did it years ago for the Armenian community yeah but then I thought about it I'm like maybe I should Absolutely. as a side gig side hustle instead of you know doing what I do on the side no, <laughs> going to Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> I'm out of time so I might as well <laughs> uh some I don't know maybe voiceover the next Transformers. It all it all depends on what. You, hey, listen, man, if you, you pick up a good manager well, you or got, a good agent, yeah, but you got to be able to act with your voice. It's not just about having well, a what, nice voice. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're they do it bad. a couple of times though. It's not just one take. Of and course, then they'll yeah, guide yeah, you. They'll yeah. direct you. We had uh, Josh Robert Thompson on the show, who does voiceovers as well. He's on, he's been on Family Guy. He does Morgan Freeman for Morgan Freeman. Wow. Yeah. Like Wait, when you, you mean like they hire him to do like a step in, like a double when Morgan Freeman is like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm unavailable. For or no, no, or no, they no. need to you do retake. Or they need to do yeah. a retake voiceover. Like yeah. Morgan, they, they didn't catch Morgan Freeman's line. I didn't know they had a voice person who did that. I know they did that for actors okay. like standing. You want to know the best part of this? He's a white guy. He's a white guy. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you hear him speak. Dude, you have no wow. idea. I'll we'll, play. I'll we'll play, play some, I'll play some clip, yeah. clips after the show. But he's been on the show twice. Mm-hmm. The first time he was on the show when he did Morgan Freeman, we were just like, "Holy shit!" And then the last time he was on the show, which was a couple of months ago, he, he mentioned that you know, obviously Morgan Freeman's gotten older, and you know how when you get older, you know, you talk a little bit different. Your right. tongue tends to slur, yeah. the gum flap, and all that. He started doing Morgan Freeman in his like more than Morgan older Freeman. voice, yeah. older voice, yeah. and you're and we're just listening to and we're just going, like you wow. you you shut your eyes. I swear to God, you'll be like that's talent. That's Morgan Freeman. And when 
he was actually served uh, a cease and desist by Morgan Freeman's attorney for voice doing a voiceover on YouTube for him. Wow. So that that's how. That's how. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> well, Shout out to Josh Robert Thompson. Well, yeah. I think he might have a future with that, too, so. Be a real hero. Yeah, family guy. There you go. <laughs> Gary just reminded me. That's what he says, right? What be a it? real hero. Yeah, be a real hero. <laughs> Thank you, Biting, for saying, thinking I have the best voice. I don't go. want to call it the best voice, but I have a nice voice. It's a voice. very nice, soothing voice. I could fall asleep like to that voice. <laughs> yeah, my, In a good way. Like I'm saying, it's soothing. My, my, my patient's daughters love calling me and talking to me. Yeah. So do his patients when they want to fall asleep. <laughs> They call him and they go, Arvind, can you tell me a story? <laughs> Five minutes later. Yeah, no need to give him lorazepam tonight. <laughs> yeah, but they do have to call the the kids to make sure the, the, the what's it called? What do they call that? The, the mask with the sleep apnea? Oh, CPAP. The CPAP is connected properly. <laughs> oh, Peter. No, I don't have any CPAP patients. Oh, you don't? All right, there you go. <laughs> My patients uh, are all healthy and... <laughs> Are they eating all the right food so they can be considered healthy? Are they considered healthy by Arno standards? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, that was I'm a, just that, asking. That was, a, that was like a, that wasn't even a jab. That was more of like a liver kick. I, that I mean, was a I, low I blow without the squatty part. I just want to know. Yeah. <laughs> that was a kick right to the... you're a big advocate for like eating I'm, everything I'm, very healthy. You can't have yeah, yeah. junk food. Kids oh, yeah. Anything junk. processed, throw it out. Throw it out. Processed, throw it out. Mm. What's processed? What does, anything, what does that mean? Anything that was wasn't made by nature. I like that definition. Anything that wasn't made. By How nature. many things here are processed? Everything is processed here. Why'd you eat it? The only thing that wasn't processed were these berries. Mm. And the pistachios. that prosciutto is processed. Oh, that natural, prosciutto. Natural. You got chocolate. Organic, no. You got honey. Organic. Well, the honey's no, not processed. Stuff. No, the honey's not there processed. You go. Here's the. When you when you actually go at, go in and look and define what's processed and what's pro, what's not processed and what you shouldn't be putting in your body, you'll your diet will change dramatically. Yeah, I'm talking about cheeses, pastas, cold cuts, all that stuff goes out the door. Pastas, rices, that's all processed stuff. Mm-hmm. The man, the myth, the legend, the legend. <laughs> go buy some nice. A nice strip of Ibirico and eat it medium rare. A nice what? Is it Ibirico? Is that what it's called? What is that? Ibirico. Ibirico. Yeah. Did I pronounce it correctly? Oh, is that, is that a type of cheese? No, no. Ibirico is a it's Spanish a type pork. Of pork. It's the oh, wagyu okay. of pork. It, yeah, it's a very, very delicious cut of pork. We got to do a show just about like steaks and yeah, pork. Papa's food. Papa's yeah. meat. I, yeah, we got to bring one of the guys from there and just talk meat. Talk meat. And, and have him bring oh, some goodies for you guys to taste so you could yeah, do a yeah. taste testing the yeah. sample mm-hmm. that you just did earlier. Talk about meat. No homo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all we eat is processed food. Yeah, well, obviously. What, what's pro- what do you mean? Besides rice and macaron, what else is processed? That Bread. Yeah. Processed anything that you mix shit together, it's processed. All of the good stuff, sorry. Yeah. Sugar, do Hainanese eat that every day? We eat bread every day, we eat macaron. Yeah. Like, my wife is making macaron tomorrow. As much as I would say, don't do it, I know I'm looking forward to it. Have you ever had Hainanese macaron? Yeah, See? <laughs> she's like, Yeah, 
Nona, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday Absolutely. to be with us. We hope uh, you enjoyed yourself. I did. I had a lot of fun. It was okay? Yeah. We weren't too. No. All right. I mean, you know, there were moments, but it's. No, no, yeah, we tried. Uh, it we, couldn't be any other way, right? We, we, you guys we, wouldn't be the wise nuts without that. No, we stuff. tried to pull the e brake a little. Uh, we pulled the e brake just a tad <coughs> bit. We didn't want to get too. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah. we appreciate you taking time out of your Monday to be with us. Absolutely. We hope good you enjoyed yourself. I did. I had fun. And hopefully, we'll, help you, we'll have you back in the near future. All right. Sounds good, you guys. There Thank you. you. Guys, uh, today's podcast will be up and running on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and all major platforms. Manana. Uh, we will not be back next week. <gasps> Why? Trick or treat! Shit. Which one was it? Which one was it? No. 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 Edgar. It is that one. It's Halloween, no? Okay, it's Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween next Monday. Unfortunately, uh, we won't be here next week, but we will be back the following week, which is the 7th. Seventh. Edgar's going to be back on the 7th. Yes. So... Edgar's going to be back. We're going to have uh, the three of us on. No guest. We're going to be talking about Edgar's trip to Armenia, comparing it to Armand's trip to Armenia. Uh, we're gonna and be, other things. Yeah, and of yeah, course, yeah. other things yeah. as well. We're going to be talking about uh, other things. In the next two weeks, a lot of shit might happen. So we'll have multiple yeah. topics to talk about. Um, Edgar, every, Edgar is in Armenia, by the way. He's doing it. Gender uh, transition over there. Yeah, so yeah. He's going to be coming back as Evita. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Everybody, uh, enjoy your Halloween. Be safe out there. Go when you're going trick or treating. Uh, make sure you check your kids' candies. Again, we we've mentioned in the beginning of the show, but check your kids' candies. Make sure there's no blades, needles, none of that crap in there. Uh, and uh, be safe out there. Take flashlights with you. Uh, watch out for whose doors you're knocking on. And you can cue the music again because I'm going to end the show. Everybody have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we will see. You next week. All from scratch now. <laughs>